Evo 2020 has been cancelled and organizers plan to take the event online. This seems like a logistical nightmare, but is there a timeline where we actually see it work? Majin Tin Shinhan joins us to talk about this and to conclude our discussion and rankings of Street Fighter V's four seasons on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Good morning, or good afternoon, or whatever time it is that you're listening to this. Thank you for checking out the Event Hubs Podcast. Thank you for listening, and please, if you haven't already, subscribe, because that really helps us out. And tell your fighting game friends that you think might enjoy this. Tell them to check us out. Maybe subscribe, too. Because, like I say, it really helps us, and we appreciate it. Yeah, there it is. And we are also joined today by Nicholas Modgentention Hand Taylor. Say hi to the people, Nick. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, glad to be back. All right. So getting right into it, Evo 2020 got canceled, and it is going online. And people are losing their minds because it's an hmm. online event. And I immediately saw people jump in and say, Scrub Boy 15 is going to win this entire thing with a zero bar connection. And you know what? That's bullcrap. I wanted to push back on this instantly and say that this does not line up with what we've already seen from online tournaments held recently. Online results are looking about the same as offline results. It's not one-to-one, but it's close enough, and some people are going to take any aberrations at all as proof that online tournaments are garbage, right? Yeah. If someone unknown comes in and wins this year's EVO online, like Fudo did back in 2011, and I know you know people knew about Fudo in Japan and Virtual Fighter and all that kind of stuff, but for the mainstream FGC, he was an unknown player back then. If that happens again this year, people are going to say it was a fraudulent win. And, but they say that anyway. Whether the tournament is online or offline, they, they say that you know this person didn't deserve to win. It wasn't Tokido. It wasn't Daigo. They should not have won the tournament, right? It was. A, I mean, f- to be fair, Fudo won with, what was that, A.E. Feilong? Yeah. Exactly. Didn't deserve it. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, Feilong, was a, he was a little bit of a... I, at, at that time, he was an unknown commodity. He was very good. We later found out that you know A.E. Feilong was great. Um, but like back then, Feilong hadn't put a huge huge stamp on Street Fighter 4 but yeah so yeah not yet the bottom line to me is that if you're strong in a game you're going to have good results in tournament there's no replacement for skill scrub boy 15 isn't making it to the grand finals and going to win everything with a zero bar three-day-old Blanca that's just not how fighting games work they've never worked that way I don't care how much latency you have Um, that's not going to say that like people aren't going to have some bad you know results happen because they play someone who's you know five states away and they have like a two-bar connection and it's lagging like crazy Crazy and all this other kind of stuff's going on, that kind of stuff will happen. And at that point in time, it's extremely important how the tournament organizers and other people involved respond to these concerns. Like, how are things going to initially be set up? Are we going to even have like a USA to Japan type thing going on? How are they going to structure this stuff? That stuff is extremely valid concerns. And I think that we have evidence that like, you know, making region-based play, uh, making things structured in that way, it, it makes a big difference. But yeah, I'm, I, I've been dialoguing here for a bit. Like, what are you guys seeing? <laughs> There's a lot here. Then in terms of Evo going online, as you begin to think about all of the logistics, will it be region-based? How big will each region be? Because maybe it's all of North America. And even that, you go, well... I don't want to play from, in my case, Arizona up in Maine. Like, technically, we're in the same region there, right? But that's going to be a terrible experience, just like probably playing from here to Japan would be. 
you know, and, and it's like, how do you, where do you draw the boundaries? How do you minimize the chaos that you know is coming with online? And what I think a lot of it comes down to is the fact that when you go online, there is going to be more of a chaotic factor. If you, if you break it down into two things, there's like there's chaos and then there's the measurement of skill. And as one, uh, as chaos goes up, that kind of crowds out skill for however big it is, because there are going to be certain situations where even if you are the better player, maybe you drop your combo because of a, of a bump in lag that no one could you know, affect or change, things along those lines. And ultimately, when you go online, everybody knows that that's going to be a bigger factor. What it comes down to for us is aligning ourselves and sort of trying to redefine what we're going to accept as uh, an acceptable amount of chaos that goes into the tournament experience because it's not going to be the same thing but maybe we can reposition ourselves and say when you're talking about a newcomer coming in and and winning and like whether or not we should give props to this person well now that there's a bump in the amount of chaos they have to probably prove themselves over a longer period of time because maybe the first time that they win you say well maybe that was because it was a fluke and that kind of happens no matter what that happens offline as well it's like ah, well maybe you got lucky but if someone's consistent then you're going to start acknowledging like the they're they're the the common factor here is them winning. So they, there wasn't a chaotic interaction in every single one of those matches, and they're still coming out on top. So what it's probably going to be is that in this new medium of online, we're going to require a little more consistency from someone before we deem them part of. There's there's going to be a little more gatekeeping, a little more. Uh, it's going to take longer to get into the inside circle of people acknowledging that you're good, but it still is what we have and it still is technically a place where we can explore skill to a certain degree. It might just take longer to prove ourselves. Nick, what do you think? You, you cover tournaments more than anyone. You, you actually got CPT points for playing online. What, what do you think about this? I mean, that should tell you everything about how useless online is to prove skill. Come on. <laughs> I mean, that's really like, I can't stand online. I think online is complete garbage. And having tournaments based around it, I get, I get like the point of having them as part of CPT and whatnot, because people who may not be able to afford travel can compete there and then they can get flown out to like the finals for their region and such, which I think is great. I think that's an amazing opportunity. And I know that Evo doesn't want to have Evo be online. We This isn't like them making a decision to transfer to that. It's just this year has problems. So they decided it, it was between not having an event at all or having an online event. Make the most out of the situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to sound like... I don't want to be a hater but i would rather have nothing at all because i really i really think this is just going to be a bad look across the board to be honest and it's also yeah, like let's go into that actually why would you rather have nothing at all over an offline uh, uh online tournament a lot of games that come in to evo have their shot at proving themselves and that's how they like that's how you gauge if they're gonna be there next year no game is gonna come out looking good from this so there it's highly likely that a game that maybe should have gotten a proper chance at EVO and was slated to get a proper chance at EVO is now not going to get that because they'll have an online tournament, it'll look terrible, it'll be awful, and then for EVO 2021, they say, oh, you know what, we've got Guilty Gear Strive, so we're going to replace this game with that, whatever, you know, 
whichever game that may be, because we have several games coming here <coughs> to EVO, what were supposed to come here to EVO 2020 that people were excited about. You know, even Mortal Kombat didn't make it in. Yeah. So, like, looking at it that way, I think some games are going to feel very shafted come 2021 because they're going to be gone. Yeah. yeah, and I think you're specifically probably talking about Grand Blue. I think Grand Blue is going to remain either way. Uh, okay. But I do think it's it's hard to see a game like that have everything working against it from just like how 2020 has been. It's still doing very well, which is great, but uh, it's still very disheartening to see that kind of thing happen. Um, I was thinking more along the lines, you have these games that like bar- barely stay in and such. Like I think Sam Show is in a little bit of trouble and Sam Show Online is not going to be good. It, it isn't. And, uh, you know... That kind of stuff is really going to hurt. It's uh, it's a real shame to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, your, it's got, it's... your reservations here are very similar to what I think is, is a bigger reservation, at least one that I've come across as I examine going in online and the community transitioning to playing online and accepting where things are right now or the potential for them to do that. And I think the, the fear and the reservation comes in in... What if we take this and use this as a as a snapshot, and that's what gets broadcasted out, or that's what becomes the the standard, or people begin to accept it, or or to basically judge us by where we're at right now and what we're doing right now, when we're all going online is is certainly not where it's going to be, and it certainly isn't pristine, perfect example of what we talk about when we talk about fighting games not yet right and so what you're getting at nick it's like if if this is the judgment season and we're in online mode it's like this isn't fair this isn't you're not getting the full picture yeah and if people and what i was kind of worried about is if people start to accept this as the standard then we're going to possibly you know not move forward as quickly and start to just say it's like it's cool and competitive smash is fine with items and things like that you know like who knows how far it goes but that's to, a slippery to, slope that's uh, that, yeah, we, is. that is what i'm saying yeah. it's it's just further it's just further throwing in the chaos and being okay with it and that's just an extreme example to to say you know like that's yeah. that's way over there but okay yeah uh, so yeah I have to jump in here and I say, well, it's hard to envision a day where online tournaments fully supersede offline competitions. In other esports and stuff, they don't do that. They they always try to take stuff offline whenever possible to remove the chaos factor. We don't want that. That's but online can be a valid you know, part of tournaments, like where you have qualifications and you have maybe early pools and a few other things like you can kind of get through these 16 hour freaking insanity days that we work here in the FGC, you know, and and get those down to like, you know, maybe three or four or five hours, like a day or something like that, where you're getting through the pools matches where it doesn't matter that much. And like, you know, scrub boy 15 can play scrub boy 14 and they can get that crap done online. And it's like, yeah, that's, I, I get it, you know, and they really want to show up to the tournament. Maybe they get preferential seating or something like that. You know, I don't know. There, there's a lot of ways to peel the apple here, but I'm going to push back on, on one thing that you guys said here about worrying about like the, the representation that online play has for these games. The moment I see a fighting game developer say they don't know online was this big of a deal, I'm going to say tough f- shit. F- you. 
Panic you hardcore because you should have known this <laughs> boom the metrics that are out there right now that show how many people play your games online and that is a majority of the way that people play your games you should have known you had your head in the tiger sand if you did not understand how many people are playing your game online and experience it that way I get that FGC tournaments and other things like that are stuff you you make it for and do other things but a ton of people play your games online a ton it should ha not have taken you to 2020 to put rollback code in your games that is inexcusable mm -hmm. the fgc should be all up in these fgc developer ears and saying you guys are stupid and finally we're starting to do that finally like a uh, uh, freaking 10 years too late but we're finally starting to say this is unacceptable put rollback code in your games and some companies have been doing it already for quite some time some have not some are still resisting it to this very day it is unacceptable not to have rollback code in your games it ruins games i play grand blue fantasy that is a great game and it is ruined entirely by having just complete crap netcode for me complete and total yoga netcode and i love the game i hate the online play for it right but this doesn't actually have anything to do with rollback because you and i have tried playing street fighter 5 which has rollback and it's unplayable because we live too far away and that's what you, the problem assuming, here is yes. yeah that's what the problem here is because it doesn't matter what kind of netcode you have this is supposed well, we to be we have talked about restricting regions and stuff with the online tournaments where it's like only us to us you know european countries to european countries sure but then it but becomes yeah. okay so let's say you have i don't know eight different tournaments you have south america north america you have europe east europe west etc something like they do with online tournaments for uh CPT. the cbt right yeah so what do you do then when everyone's won one you can't have the people play against each other you can't have a worldwide right. showdown so the whole thing becomes moot anyway well, well, no, because you could. Uh, we go through this, and the logistics do get super murky. And I'm very hesitant to try to play this all out because I'm like, you know what? Let's let Evo do that because I don't know how they're going to do it, and it's this mountainous task. And 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 it's like I don't think it's going to be successful. I'd like to be pleasantly surprised. Maybe we're just making a, the most out of what we have, and it's not a lot. No, but I, I, maybe I, you can take those wins, like the regional winners, and say when this is all over and when we can reconvene. Maybe they get something like a special seating, or they get invited to an invitational, and they can duke it out live and, and locally or something like that like you could make you, you, we have to dance right now we have to dance to what's going on so yes it's crazy it's not going to resemble probably anything that we're used to and if we try to do what we're used to it's just very clearly going to fall apart like immediately so maybe something like that could take its place and it's like it's, is that perfect no is there controversy going to come from that i'm sure it will be well welcome to the fgc but you could do things like that and say like well this is us making the most of a situation yeah i guess that's yeah. like the closest you could get it, it, again that's this is like how other esports run and where it's like they don't have the, these giant open tournaments that take 16 hours a day and stuff that's just that that's unique to the FGC as far as I know and there might be some other esports that do that but it's like it's few and far between uh, and, and I, Nick and I know this extremely well we we work these tournaments we cover them and we know like how big of a toll it takes on us to do it now we love this like few other things in life the FGC is one of our favorite things and covering tournaments is just it's awesome but for most people they're not going to sit there for 16 hours in a day and watch this stuff it's not really feasible with how people live their lives they'll watch like top 8 and a few other things so some all 
alterations to our format is probably a good thing overall. There's some opportunities here. There's going to be drawbacks, but also opportunities. Um, and again, so you, you do some stuff online. You have some qualifiers. You have some other things and whatnot. And it's a great way for people who normally don't get the chance to travel or have that opportunity. Like we look at uh, Arslan Ash and other people that like they, they live in these these places that they just don't get a chance to travel or do things. And online is a way for them to showcase some stuff that they've done. So. The thing is that Arsenal Ash wouldn't be included anyway because he lives in an area that doesn't get covered by the online regionals for different games. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's it's uh, it, your fair point there. Yeah. It's he's not the best of examples, but yeah, you you get the gist of it. But, and and as I try to analyze the situation for positives, the idea of going online with Evo, that's the one that's always stood out. Is everyone when that news dropped, everyone kind of went, well, hey, I can be at Evo, and for a lot of people, that was like the the really good news and it's exciting and it does afford new opportunities even if they're not quite the same opportunities like it it, it affords everybody something instead of a, a select few a little more than that something and and that that could be a good thing and and it, i mean it is it is and it it it's gives us a wider scope it allows us to uncover more great players it adds to the scene um and, and so that's the one positive that i can for sure say that comes out of this uh, but I did want to specifically ask before we get too far, or move on, um, Nick. The your your thoughts on the consistency of players online and and um, the idea that in John's story where he wrote that um, he feels like a lot of the same players that perform well offline will still be the ones that perform well online um, in Evo. What do you think about that? Okay, I'm gonna be honest. When I read his headline, I was like, "That's so. That's such bullshit." Yoga. That's so stupid. <laughs> but then I thought about it a little bit, and I'm like, yeah, well, okay, I guess, kind of. I mean, I think we're going to have unexpected players in every top eight, but that happens offline as well. And I think that's the main point to get to here. Like, tournaments aren't necessarily consistent. Uh, but we're not going to have a top eight filled with unknown players. That's just not going to happen, because a lot of players who are good offline are good online as well. There are exceptions uh, in both cases. You know, There are people who are very good online but aren't very good offline, and vice versa. But the vast majority that people know of at this point are good at both, because they've been doing both. You can't always practice offline unless you live in a gamer house, right? So you have to go online, and the more you play online, if you're already a good player, you're going to get better online. So I don't think the names we'll see will be that big of a shock overall. I think we're going to see something... I mean, it all depends on the re like how they switch up the region and stuff, because if we were to have like an actual global tournament with just everyone, then it's going to be complete chaos as soon as you have someone yeah. from like playing from different continents. But yeah... Uh, I do think that um, he's definitely more right than wrong in his assessment yeah. about that. And, and I want to go into that just real quick because, again, Nick covers tournaments more than anyone on the planet. And he watches more footage than anyone. And yet even for him, it took a minute for that to kind of click in and have him say, oh, yeah, that actually is a thing. And again, uh, as you said, more right than wrong, which is totally fine. It, I said it in there, it's about the same. I didn't say it's going to be one to one the same. I said it's going to be about the same. Um, our mindsets with this stuff need to change. We need to be more okay with online because it is a future. It is an opportunity in the FGC that we need to embrace. And even with our very awesome tournament covered uh, specialist who I respect the hell out of, uh, the amount of work this guy does, um, 
it's insane. And he goes to ex- insane lengths to to get the, the stuff up there that we have on the website. He's the best at what he does, period. Um, and, and so, again, my respect factor is just through the roof for him. Even then, it, it we, we have to grow. We have to evolve haha, uh, in the FGC here a bit more and kind of wrap our heads around the opportunities that online brings. And that was a huge point of the article. Not to say, hey, I'm completely right. I know everything. It's just like, let's kind of grow past this a little bit and embrace online online play for what it can offer us in the FGC. Um, And there it is. I mean, with all that said, I also think that one of the most integral parts of the FGC's identity, and which I see a lot of people bring up, is the fact that we have these open tournaments where anyone can come, anyone can play. Because having them, if you instead like shifted to having sort of an online qualifier to even get to play in like a, I don't know, 64-man invitational or whatever, I think that would kind of kill the, the FGC spirit because mm-hmm. uh, that's just not the same thing anymore. Like you don't want to you don't want to mess with a formula that's already proven to be successful. But what you would want to do with online is like add highlights with it. Like hey, if you get, you know, top 16 in this online tournament, you get second round seeding or something yeah. like that at Evo or you, there's a lot of ways you could do this to to make it good. Yeah, I I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think there's uh, avenues to explore and I think it's been a good idea by both uh, Capcom and Bandai Namco to have these online tournaments for their respective world tours and uh, dividing them up by regions, uh, giving players a chance to show up that might not otherwise have the ability to travel. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think there's room to grow there, but I think it's very important for TOs and for fighting game publishers to keep in mind the core aspect, which is these open tournaments. Because if you shift to majority invitationals i think that's just i i think that will be counterproductive mm-hmm. hmm. as far as this goes with um, consistency of players off and online um i i want to caution everybody and, and this is me speaking to myself as well because i'm pretty conservative when it comes to these whole you know is online or offline or are they the same thing or can you go online and such and again like you know seeing seeing john's headline there i want to go too it's like yeah i'm on team offline and that's all there is to it uh but that's not how you should be thinking you shouldn't be thinking i'm on a team or not and then all of a sudden everything that goes into being on that team it's like just that's the truth and that's the only way there is it's like no that's that does not work very well for life and you're going to run into a lot of obstacles doing things that way so as i break down uh, break down this particular scenario i think well, there, there is that extra element of chaos, and pros are going to be affected by it, and it could affect certain outcomes. So I do suspect that the results that come about are going to be different than they would have been offline. That said, there is a lot of what happens online that still would happen the same way if the match or the round were played offline. You know, it's not all of it is constantly being affected by lag. And I guess you could make an argument there. I kind of have before. Uh, When there's a certain amount of lag, you begin to play differently just because that's how things work. But given that the connections are reasonable and, and pretty strong, pretty good, most of the time, you're still going to be making these decisions. You're still going to be standing at, stir- uh, at certain distances away and, and, and playing out, the, uh, putting into practice these plans that you think of and, and whatnot. And it's still going to be the professional players or the ones that grind out the most and that are consistent offline that like a lot of their stuff is still going to work and it's still going to win. So the amount of chaos that comes in, it's like it's, it's not negligible, but 
you're not wrong. It's not going to be that just all of a sudden a top eight is all scrub boys, you know, 15 through 23 or 22 or whatever it would be, right? It's 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 going to be mostly the same with a little sprinkle of difference and the little the potential of something different. But my I guess my point was upon first looking at it, I wanted to go, no, not at all. But as I think about it, it's like, yeah, it's going to be a little different. But at the same time, um, there's a lot of overlap. And uh, I think one of the commenters brought up an interesting point, too, to begin with. As far as Street Fighter V is concerned, the top eights of EVO have had very little overlap. It's been like one or two players yeah. every year repeat in top eight. But otherwise, it's like all different. And um, I mean, there's a lot of consistency in Capcom Cup, but hot damn, who's ever predicted a Capcom Cup Street Fighter V winner? Like, maybe you predicted Knuckle do, but then like Mena RD, like no one would thought I he was going to take that I picked down. Mena RD. Um, you don't remember? From I the wanted beginning? pizza from it. You, think, you remember me calling Mena RD the entire From the through, beginning? Right? Uh, I, think, I mean, that's crazy. I think from top eight I, is where I called him at. But yeah, I, I wanted sure, pizza after, from after it. He had the, yeah. after he had an amazing, you know, first day or first two days, sure. But like yeah. going into it and, and IDOM, like these are all underdogs compared to like, oh, you're going to beat out Tokido and Infiltration and Daigo and all this stuff. But like, uh, you know, the, the consistency isn't even necessarily there offline. So I, I want to go in with a, with a fairly open mind. I don't want to just wholeheartedly embrace and I don't want to just wholeheartedly reject. I'm open mind, kind of see what they do, always be moving forward, look forward to the progress of online and uh, make the most of what we have in front of us. Yeah, I think that's the general opinion as well because you were talking about like having teams, like I'm team offline and that would uh, presume that there's a team online, but any mm-hmm. person I've spoken to, even people who predominantly play online, I don't think anyone once once you really like push it far enough the conversation, I've never had anyone say that online play is better or equal to offline. It's always yeah. been oh, it would just be John. John's no, not even me. Online. Yeah, not even me. I, uh, <laughs> it's just that like it, it becomes nobody is in disagreement that offline is peak play. Everyone agrees mm-hmm. with that. The only question is, how big of a compromise can you make? I agree. Uh, now, and I want to put a bow on this here, but just say that uh, behind the scenes, we have a top eight pizza contest where we, we correctly predict uh, the winners of, uh, you know, top eight Street Fighter Five or whatever game and stuff that we're all watching and covering. Um, and then, you know, whoever predicts correctly wins a pizza. Nick and I, I, I think we're like neck and neck in terms of like who's won the most pizzas. But John has not won a single pizza to date. And so when he says that it's impossible to, to predict Street Fighter Five, it's just him. It's only him. I, like, sorry, John, but I got to put you on blast here. <laughs> It is. And I haven't won a pizza in best of five either. We've had a handful of pizza bets there too. And I have not won shit. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> Nick and I are taking your pizzas. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, on to season three here. Uh, we want to get back into the discussion and mention. Uh, okay. So in this season, we had Sakura, Blanca, Falk. Cody, G, and Sagat. Uh, the name brand of the season was huge, which makes it crazy that it didn't seem to really resonate with the competitive community. Some of the hypest characters on paper didn't pan out so well for balance. Uh, so outside of G, the tournament results have been pretty questionable. Both Sakura and Sagat have had uh, some representation, but not much. I called Sagat underrated, and I think he is, but three people are playing him actively in tournament that I've seen. It's like, ugh. Uh, Sakura has has now man uh and maybe you know alex myers a little bit but she's pretty rare in the competitive scene as well 
Um, mm-hmm. So if you're being generous, you could say I think three out of the six characters that released like a hit for tournaments here in season three. But this feels honestly more like one out of six to me. Uh, I'm not saying Sakura and Sagat aren't good and tournament viable, but uh, yeah, I, it just it's so rare to see them that it's like, yeah. And if we're talking about season three really quick, but we're talking about the confined to season three, nobody resonated because G didn't really break out until the next year. He was kind of technical. People didn't figure him out until uh, until season four, really, or maybe the very end. But people really weren't afraid of G until season four. None of these characters echoed in the tournament during the uh, what was that the 2018 season? Um, yeah, 2018 season. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember entirely, but you might be right. I know we saw some G. Um, I don't think he made any huge splashes, but I want to ask here, like, when you're talking about tournament representation, are you talking about top eight or top thirty-two? Because that's very different th- type of representation. Uh, I, it depends on the tournament. I mean, if we're right. talking premieres, and I think top thirty-two is pretty fair. You know, if we're talking ranked, I'm not so much. Yeah, because I think a character that shows up before top eight quite a bit, but very rarely in top eight is Blanca. Blanca mm-hmm. actually does show up quite a bit, obviously in pools, but even after pools, but very, very, very rare for Blanca to actually make a top eight, which I think is actually kind of similar to his fate in Street Fighter Four. Yeah. You know, I, I think that it's not to the same extent, but that's similar uh, story for even a character like Akuma. Because Akuma makes top eight because Tokido most of the time. Sometimes someone like uh, Haitani or, you know, there's, there's a few out there that will pop up. But most of the time, most of the Akumas you're seeing are top 32, top 64, and the character's very popular there. But it's very few people that can actually get them all the way into top eight. Um, not entirely true. I mean, you have a point because Tokido is definitely by far the most represented uh, out of the Akuma players, but I've made statistics for both Season 3 and Season 4 on our site, which looks only at Top 8. And there are a lot of players making Top 8 with Akuma. It's just not always at the biggest events. Like, what events are we talking about? Uh, like, any like... CPT event. I included every CPT event from that those particular seasons. Okay. Uh, let, let me just do- double-check the numbers here for you. Because Akuma always feels like one of those characters that he's prevalent, but when it gets when the the chips are on the table and it's the nature of him, it's like he has low health and you have to be really precise and and be really strong. And it's like it seems like Tokido is the only one that consistently gets up there with him. Right. Uh, so looking at season three, twenty five different Akuma players made top eight uh, or played Akuma in top eight because it mm-hmm. just looks at if they use the character in top eight. So like if someone played. Uh, like I, I know Angry Bird did something like he played Akuma all the way to top eight, then used Seku in top eight, then it didn't count Akuma, you know. Then in a different tournament, he did use Akuma in top eight, so he got counted anyway. So Akuma makes top eight a lot with different players, but you remember Tokido because he's the one that makes top eight at the big events, the really big events. And he's the one that wins. Yeah. Uh, exactly, he's the one that wins because I don't think any of these other Akumas actually won a tournament. I'm not entirely sure about that, but I, I think Tokido's probably the only one. So maybe, maybe for to to retcon it a little bit, it's more along the lines of Tokido or uh, Akuma is a character that doesn't win a lot outside of Tokido, right? But uh, but still gets representation. I always felt like as I looked through the population results uh, that you know because we do the the tournament um, character usage stats. Akuma always had high, way higher results in like top 32, and then it got down to top eight, and you'd have like two, one, you know, stuff like that. But apparently, yeah, that's still two or one more than most other characters, since top eight can only contain eight players, you know? 
Sure, but it, like compared to like three Camis or like three Rashids or a couple of Abigails and you know a couple of Monats when when each of those characters were especially hot, uh, it was just my perception. But you got the numbers here, so can't argue with that. Yeah, I um, real quick, I just have to mention Armika being up there too. She's at number six and at number eight. Like ugh, that character criminally underrated. But yeah, we'll we'll move on here and get back into season three. Um, a discussion it, yeah. for another podcast, <laughs> definitely for sure. Um, so actually, let's let's switch it back over to the very start of of season three. Here we got Sakura. One of the highly most requested characters in the entire game. Very, very, very popular. Uh, she came out with her, like, she's an arcade worker now, which I loved her design. I know a lot of people are not, like, too keen on her bug eyes and all that kind of stuff. She looks a little weird, but I, I actually like the way she looks in the game. Um, I thought she was pretty hype. Um, I actually do think, like, speaking of underrated, she's been one of the more kind of underrated characters. Uh, she's a little better than most people get her credit for, but I think a lot of people are like, hey, just give me the cheap stuff. I'm going to go play Cammy instead of playing Sakura like that's kind of how I looked at her um I don't look her as like a big failure like I'm very happy she's in the game but a little underwhelming but but what did you guys see um well first of all uh, regarding the bug eyes I would say she has the same problem that Ken does which is that on character select they both look absolutely terrible in the game they actually look kind of fine you know if you take a screenshot during a match none of them look weird neither Ken nor Sakura but on character select they look terrible and I don't know why. Uh, as for Sakura as a character, I mean, she didn't really feel much like the Sakura most people knew. And um, I guess a big thing with her was also her animations were very strange. Yeah. They weren't necessarily bad, but it seemed like she was fighting underwater, kind of. It was very weird, especially after season two had such high quality animations. So I think everyone was given. A bit of pause right there uh just because uh nobody nobody really knew what to make of that um she had a weird float yeah her, right? like her the, the, the not necessarily a float but like the way her like her uppercut move i don't i don't exactly know how to put my finger on it but she definitely had a a distracting way of moving about the screen and when i think of the start of season three um, and this was the update into Arcade Edition, which we're not necessarily talking about. We're talking specifically about the characters and the execution of their release, but it's hard to divorce that from the general charisma that the game entered at this point, and it was very much tied to these characters. They were part of the Arcade Edition update. And Sakura, we found out first about her uh, the year before at the uh, Red Bull North American Finals, I believe, with the uh, the pink flower petal confetti that came down and such. Yeah. We knew Sakura was, was on her way or all but new uh, but when we got that trailer with all the new characters at capcom cup that was the grand reopening for street fighter 5 and that went from a season where everyone was upset because we didn't have the identities of the characters and they were all brand new and then uh, the season before that as we discussed there were issues with communication there as well we, we entered into a chapter where at least at the beginning it was a an absolute grand slam um, when it came to PR, when it came to Capcom's relationship through Street Fighter V with its fans. They presented all these characters that were wanted. Sakura was one of the two that were at the absolute top of that list. She was the first one out. The presentation there was absolutely amazing. When the character actually released, as you guys have been getting into, 
there were problems with her gameplay wise and and that's the exact kind of like dichotomy that we're getting at here right it's like pr versus actual execution with the character in the game she was something of a dud people were excited to play her when and and they gave her a fighting chance but she just didn't she wasn't there and it wasn't just a case of well we didn't give the character enough time because she stayed that way for a really long time arguably still might be there although uh we did have sakura win evo japan this year so there's an absolutely uh, uh, an argument that she's gotten much better and I, i'm almost sure she has but yeah she was kind of a dud gameplay wise and given how excited people were that dud might have hit even harder than it was like with someone like ed or falk sure uh, I think one thing, though, is that the strongest tool Sakura has, uh, she's had since the very beginning. And I think that was kind of the key to playing her here, and people weren't used to that, which is her standing light kick. Because it's mm-hmm. very fast, it reaches very far, uh, it goes into DP, and uh, it can punish stuff that other characters just can't punish. So you have this entirely different game plan with some characters against her, because all of a sudden she has this tool which does stuff that other characters aren't allowed to do. And it's, yeah, I think I think that was one of the things too, because nobody even thought to like look at that even, because they were, it, we we talked a little about, bit about this on the last podcast with characters where people were so into how the character used to be that they couldn't, they could only see what was gone and not the new stuff. Which yeah, I just want a Tatsu pressure yeah, exactly. at soccer, right? And wake up three frame fears. Yeah, <laughs> three frame fears, exactly. Now I'm not saying that it's wrong to expect more of what you got. I mean, a three frame fears was never going to happen in five, but yeah. Uh, but like expecting more of uh, what you used to have, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a lot of us gravitate to characters because we love the way they play and the way they interact and such. But. Street Fighter Five has done this a lot, and uh, you know, love it or hate it, you need to, you need to curb your expectations as far as that part goes, and try to look at, okay, well, what do they have then? Mm-hmm. Well, and then a big part of this too is the fact that Street Fighter Five as a game has evolved to being a more footsy, conducive uh, experience, and that's directly got to help the character like Sakura, who has her strongest tool. As standing light kick and, and what that does but when she came out we still had the input lag where it was and we still had hit boxes and hurt boxes being you know a little more restricted and such and, and with punishing was not as easy and not as, as, as real as it is now so the game has also shifted the meta has shifted to be more conducive to um, well to, to how Sakura wants to play into her tools and that's a significant piece of the puzzle because again we're talking within the confines and the experience of season 3 and those things weren't yeah, there. Yeah, within, within uh, like season three, I think Sakura was struggling very hardcore. Because if you look at her now, where most people play her at least mid-tier, there are three things that have been working for her. One of them is uh, more time exploring the character, of course. One is she's gotten buffs, but on paper, these buffs aren't enough to make what most people consider like low bottom tier into a mid or even high tier, because they aren't that substantial. And also, as you were saying the shift in how the game is played. We've gotten it shifted mm-hmm. more towards a FTSE game, and uh, anything that makes the game more FTSE-based is going to help Sakura with that amazing standing light kick. 
Yeah, and, and I, uh, <laughs> yeah. one of the things I really think is important that we bring up is this is why I hate easy-to-play characters who are high-tier, and that's why Cammy sucks so bad for Street Fighter V because she negated characters like Sakura. And that's not Sakura's only problem. I'm not saying that. Like, But there were people who wanted to play Sakura, Alex Myers being one of them, and it's like, well, why would I play her when Cammy's easier to play and she's higher tier? And it's just like it takes characters like soccer who are interesting. They have good gameplay and it knocks them down to a point where they're not worthless. But it's kind of like you're looking at it and going, why? And that is why it is extremely important that if you're going to make an easy to play character, they should not be great. They should be good, but they should not be great because it just discourages people from playing these other characters way too much. And again, soccer had other problems. It's not the only thing, but it is a thing. We have a great example with that with Myers and other people, too who are interested in playing soccer and just didn't because there were easier to play characters who were better. Mm -hmm. So uh, last thing here on, on soccer that I've got is um, she actually ended up around the 15th area in CFN usage. There's nothing wrong with the DLC character in Street Fighter V ending up at 15th, but she was actually the most popular character from season three overall that I looked at. And that is a very bad sign actually for a season and street fighter five where your, your number one character is at about 15th. Uh, it is not a good look and it's unfortunate Sakura being the most popular character from the season is like, Oh boy. Um, yeah. Really quick. How did you, how did you assess that? Uh, looking that, through like, all the, which... yeah, CFN usage month after month. Uh, and, and Sakura's average was about 15th. So, Okay. Yeah. And because like if you take like Sagat and G, they have only a couple of months, right? And they probably would be like a, a close to the top because these characters are going to be more popular right after they come out, and then it's, it's going to naturally yeah. dwindle a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I would I would assume that like G and Sagat would probably be inflated, and then Sakura would have the almost the entire year to to kind of average out. Yeah. And, and I mean, especially looking at what things are at like down season five, you know, like uh, um uh, or whatever you sure. want to call this year, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, especially right now, like how things have evened out over time. That's I wait the current results more than I look back then. You know, but uh, but okay. yeah. Um, so next up here we have Blanca, and I'm gonna give him a bit of a pass on Blanca since this is what he is. He's a shenanigan character whose track record uh, in tournament is usually questionable. Like he could, you could make something else out of Blanca, like make him a more serious character or more like you know fundamentally like thing but then he's not Blanca anymore like Blanca Chan became a solid movement on social media it, it lasted for a while too like that was a thing and like he's a joke character this is like you're supposed to kind of troll people with him and all that and even though he's kind of ended up in the spot where he's at uh, like, I actually think they nailed the character. Like, uh, it's he's exactly what he should have been and if you changed him much from what he was like I, I just don't know if he's Blanca anymore uh, yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think they did a great job with Blanca as far as Blanca goes. And uh, what was most striking about him, but people weren't really talking about because people aren't as interested in Blanca as a character as they are in Sakura, was that his animations were actually perfectly fine. There was nothing wrong mm -hmm. with any of his animations. So coming off of Sakura looking very wonky and then having Blanca look perfectly fine was a bit strange because like we were saying earlier, no animations had really been particularly bad except for Kami's air throw. And that was added after release, like randomly in a patch. Um, so, like, I, I don't know. It was weird when Sakura was so highly requested that her... Um, th that Blanc ended up with the better end of the stick, you know what I mean? 
as I look over the season, and this was something that I, it, it almost doesn't feel intuitive, but it was when I went back and looked at the particulars and tried to analyze things on the level that we're analyzing, the levels that we're analyzing them. Blanca, like, like you guys have kind of gotten at, for what he is, I think is the most successful character in season three um, in terms of Capcom has a target and it's sort of different for each one of these characters depending on who they are, their legacy, what their potential is, what people kind of want out of them. But as far as hitting the Blanca specific target, it was a dead center bullseye. And not only that, but Blanca Chan was a, a cherry on top. However, that metaphor gets put in with the the bullseye (laughs) metaphor because it also was a huge publicity thing it was positive we were making memes out of it we loved it we were consuming it was another reason to check out the game and you know like blanca as you guys are getting at he's a troll character he's polarizing he has his fans but unfortunately the one that they were the best at uh, executing was also i think maybe the lowest stakes character of all of season three because he's not beloved like sakura cody or sagat and he's not brand new so he doesn't have that like that new potential he's blanca and he's a troll character so a lot of people are like sort of annoyed at his presence too it's like he's got a he's got a place at the street fighter table for sure but the character looks amazing he's got this gimmick in in his presentation with the the blanca chan costume which i think is the best costume in the game for multiple reasons uh there was so much good about him his balance was just fine he was kind of right where he needed to be he wasn't overpowered but he had some gimmicks it's like you could play him the way kind of he's evolved into what you expect out of blanca like all the check marks are there the blanca specific ones are there plus the added bonus of blanca chan a very big success here it's just that your big success happened to be in one of the lower stakes characters right i think under any normal circumstances in any normal season we'd probably be singing the praise of Blanca a lot more just because of how they actually managed to elevate such an old character who already has, like, set fans and haters, right? Mm -hmm. But given that this was the season that was supposed to, like, light everyone ablaze with all the characters people had been waiting for and asking for, and Blanca kind of just tagged along, and then he ends up being the most, like, uh, successfully integrated one, uh, yeah, I think it's hard to like bring him up as a success just because his success inevitably makes you feel that I won't, don't want to say failure because that's too strong of a word, but it makes right. it makes an awkward situation in the room when you think about the other people who came along with him, right? Yeah. It's like you you hit your big home run when you're already up by like six points or six runs when you really could, you wished it was in a different game when you were really far behind. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well... Yeah. Yeah. Blanca is, he's a Street Fighter character through and through. You just kind of expect him to be in the game. And so I was really happy to see him. Uh, his usage on CFN is pretty darn low, but there are just big fans of this character. And it's like, yeah, I know you guys a lot of hate, but it's like, it's kind of not Street Fighter if Blanca isn't there at some point. He just, you just expect him to be there. And really, the only complaint I, I have with him, um, uh, like, kind of like from a character design standpoint, is I do miss his fruit based attacks from Alpha 3. Those mm. were stupid. <laughs> and funny as all hell um, and it would make him just even more shenanigan based which you know I mean I'm, I'm asking for more Blanca shenanigans at this time I might need to have my head checked I get that but yeah it's like you know it's so that's kind of like what we see with Blanca is like he's always going to be a mixed bag character like you're not going to get everything that you you know you're not going to get a solid great addition to the game he's Blanca but yeah mm. so moving on next we have Falk and uh, boy did they Falker up 
Uh, this is probably the biggest failure for a DLC character in the entire game. At least in my opinion, uh, she was. The animations were bad. She sucks. She still pretty much does. They haven't done much good with her at all. Like, there's almost nothing that stands out about this character. Uh, I think my favorite thing about Falk was the guy who did a video showing, like, someone hitting a cane and him, like, just aching in pain every time someone hit a cane because, you know, the, the hurt box uh, the stuff on her uh, her staff. It, it's yeah. This character sucks so bad. The worst character hands down in the game. I, I think she hands down beats Ed as the worst. I, I just, it's mind blowing how bad this character is. And I, I expect her never to see her like in another street fighter game again. Like that's how bad she is. Ugh. Uh, well, I, I play her. So, uh, <laughs> um, I, I actually like Falca a lot, but I can't disagree with her trailer was terrible. It was awful because she was so poorly animated. Even like comparing to Sakura, who people were already kind of meh to. Uh, Falke was at a point where they eventually, in a later patch, had to touch up her animations. Because that, that's how bad she looked. Um, and like she kind of came out of nowhere. Because with Ed, we had this whole story about him. We knew who he was. We knew everything. And now she shows up and it's like, okay, well... Ed is supposed to be some sort of like psycho power infused bison clone body because bison keeps making clone bodies that he jumps into whenever he dies, whatever. That's how he keeps coming back. But where does Falke come into this? Who is she? Apparently she's not a clone. She's German because she speaks German. But why does she have psycho power and why does she look basically like a female Ed? Like there's nothing to... here that that makes any type of sense at all. It's very strange. Not even to to Capcom. Like, someone tweeted at him and said, hey, uh, Falk, like, what's your favorite movie? And they're like, "Uh, what? what, what, Why would Falk, like, have a favorite movie? And, like, it says on her likes and dislikes on her profile page that she loves cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Even Capcom didn't give two craps about her after they released her. It was, like, a week after they released her, someone tweeted that. They, like, didn't even know. They're like, oh, Falk, yeah, we we fucked that up. I don't know. (laughs) I I like the character. Uh, she's fun to play. I think she brings a so- type of zoning to Street Fighter V that isn't really there. I think she's very interestingly made, but they also buffed her twice and a lot of buffs. A lot yeah. of buffs these both times, and she still feels really bad. Uh, she's fun, but she's not very good. She doesn't fit that well for Street Fighter V. Um, I do think we will see her in a future Street Fighter title, though, because I think they've kind of made her and Ed a package deal at this point, and I think Ed is popular, and I think Fog is more popular um, than it looks like. I think she actually does have hmm. fans, just nobody plays her because she's bad, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, one more thing. Uh, I will say that her having a heart box on her staff is not an unusual thing. Characters with weapons often have this. Uh, Billy Kane in King of Fighters Fatal Fury, he also has that. So it's not a new thing. Yeah. Um, so people who got worked up about that and that being the reason for her being bad was like, uh, no, she has a lot of different problems. Yeah. But it was hilarious, though. So sure. <laughs> the video was just a riot. But yes, I agree. The, the, when I look at Falk and Ed, it takes me to the, the drawing board where Capcom developers are going okay, what do we want to do for this season? And they have some kind of overarching goals. 
and what they want out of certain characters. And both of these characters fall into the place of let's bring an absolute newcomer in and they're going to have simple controls. And to me, I think a big um, item on the lines for Falk and Ed was to let's let's make characters that newcomers can warm up to really fast because they don't have a legacy behind them. They're fresh. They uh, are easier to play with simplified inputs. And I mean, hey, they even put them very close to each other. They're, they they're both bison twins. They're both like these the you know blonde haired um, uh, characters that function in in somewhat similar ways. And uh, but they also kind of fell into similar traps with them. And that like they, they're underwhelming to play, probably because Capcom was afraid. You know, it's simple inputs. It's easier to play, so we don't want to make them too strong. And they erred on the side of just making them almost worthless when it comes to gameplay. Uh, I do agree that she's gotten better, and I've seen a couple of people play her with, you know, I run into a few Falks here and there in, in like, Grandmaster yeah. um, ranks, and, and they kind of know what they're doing, but it does seem as, like, once you kind of figure out how to get through her stuff, what she's good at just doesn't, isn't as good as, you know, just having amazing rushdown or things like that. So, yeah, and fairly underwhelming when she was released. I think as far as the uh, as her visuals, she looks pretty good, and I like a lot of her costumes. I think she's, um, you know, she's she's. I like it. I like the the design. Dude, she she has I, amazing costumes. Yeah, I, I legit the, think she was probably the best costumes in the game. Yeah, um, well, she's she's up there. I didn't. I, she actually didn't make any of my final um, my like top ten costumes in the game that I uh, posted. It was yesterday, but. She does have some really amazing looking costumes. She has a couple of like, what was that? Uh, but yeah, she, she does look good. Um, her animations, though, let me spe- specify, that was where the issue was. And ultimately, the character ended up being uh, a flop on both fronts, PR and the in-game experience. So I agree, maybe uh, as I look over, I don't think there's anybody worse than Falk, pound for pound. So I think she was the biggest failure or, or the least successful of all of the DLC characters in Street Fighter V. I, th- I think there's also type like because you're right about how uh, Capcom probably considered both Ed and Falke like okay well they have easy inputs so that makes them simple to use the problem is that Falke's inputs are easy but she's extremely technical to play so a beginner mm-hmm. isn't going to have yeah. any fun with her like with Ed sure I can see it I can see that working for a beginner it's he he is decently complex but at least like I think that's a decent bridge for a beginner to cross. With Falke, it's like, uh, you're trying to bring them into this owner who needs to like give up a button to have a fireball, which she needs to use in her combos. It's like, this isn't a beginner character. I mean, I'm not opposed to her having easy inputs. I think that works fine for her as far as she's designed. I just don't think they had like a unified vision of what they actually wanted this character to be. Well, it makes sense given the outcome because the outcome was <laughs> pretty chaotic and, and ineffective. So, Yeah, with her CFN usage, it was mostly bleak. Uh, it was uh, She's on the very low end almost every single month out there. Uh, it's just, wow, what a disaster. But moving on here, we have Cody. And this is one of Nick's favorite all-time characters in fighting games. He has talked so much about Cody, I have to turn it over to him right away. Nick, what did you think of Season 3 Cody in his reveal? Well, I'm still waiting for Cody. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting. No, but I think his trailer was very good. 
Um, I was pretty excited for that trailer, even though looking at it, I started to feel worried because I was like, okay, I'm not seeing any moves I recognize, basically. I'm seeing almost nothing from Cody. But they had Kenny Omega, which was fun. You know, that was a fun thing. The music was amazing. Cody's design was fine. He looked a little bit janky, way more janky in the game later because the trailer just serves the best parts. But it was like, okay, but he still has some Cody stuff. He might be okay. And then he actually came out, and I was like, okay, he literally doesn't have a single Cody move except for Ruffian Kick. Because, I, I mean, yeah, technically he has Sonk, but it works uh, like the opposite of what it used to work like. Because it used to be negative but go through stuff. Now it has no su such invulnerability, but it's a frame, like, plus frame trap move. Um, so I can barely even consider it the same type of move. Plus, Sonk was my least favorite move with Cody anyway. Uh, so we have no stomach blow, no crack kick. Uh, no criminal upper, no bad stone, like the list goes on. And uh, I had so many people were always saying like, yeah, but he made him more final fight. What, because they put a four hit light punch combo in? Are you kidding me? He already had a ton of final fight, like almost everything Cody did in Street Fighter Alpha and 4 was from final fight. Yeah, he had some yeah. new stuff, but almost everything was inspired or directly ripped from there. How is he more final fight because he has... <laughs> match jab combo it's like the least satisfying thing ever to connect i mean if they're gonna put that in at least make it like guy in street fighter 4 where you at least have to do different buttons because he had uh, light punch medium punch heavy punch heavy kick that's way more satisfying than just mashing the same button four times yeah. no i think like for someone who's a cody fan i think cody was an absolute disaster i think the gameplay statistics back that up nobody seems to want to play him uh he's not it's debatable whether he's strong or not, but at least at the beginning, nobody seemed to think it was strong. But people just don't seem to want to play him, and in Street Fighter Four, everyone wanted to play him, despite him being bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I, I love that his final fight kicks are back, like, and that there's V-Skill. Those are cool, and they're very well designed, and I think that's why people think he's more like his final fight version, but as you said, that's not true. Like, they removed a lot of his final fight moves. Like, it's like, wait a second he's just too large of a departure from his previous versions and i get that they did that in street fighter 5 but they just went too far with cody you have to bring back more of his core move set um i know it's like standing light kick is like one of the jankiest looking moves i've seen any street fighter game ever it just looks weird like really weird um and there's some stuff that they just kind of like uh they but then I go back to like his announcement trailer with Kenny Omega. It was awesome. Like it was a match to final fight. Like it, it, the intro, it was amazing. They did that so well. And then his design was great. He's a thirst trap, right? Like he, like all the girls like that play Street Fighter, all five of them were like just posting Cody stuff like all <laughs> time for like a whole month. That was great. Like they made him the mayor. I thought that was cool. Yeah. His story mode is actually fun. It's interesting. He's one of the most powerful Street Fighter characters. Like he's a big time. He's a huge character in Street Fighter lore. This is a big deal. Cody, like as you mentioned, like even for not being that popular, a lot of people played him because Cody is iconic. He is one of the big time characters. I'm not going to say it's as bad as messing up Akuma, but it's kind of like on par with messing up Sakura. You know, kind of thing. It's yeah. like Ugh. very highly requested. Yeah, and it's just like Man, I and I do like Street Fighter V Cody. I want to be very uh, clear about that because I'm playing Shazzy so much online. I think he has some cool stuff, but I also get that like, man, it's almost not even Cody anymore. Like it's he's 
you kind of have to squint and turn your head to the side and then like blink 50 times and maybe you see Cody there at that point. Yeah. And that's rough. And, and, and yeah. And what's what's so devastating about that is you say that it's almost impossible to recognize him as Cody. And I agree. The problem is uh, with that statement and the truth inherent in it is that he looks like Cody. He sounds like Cody. He has Cody lines. He has the story mode for Cody. His music is an even better version of what they had in 4 for him. Like, every single beat of Cody is right in front of you, except his gameplay. It just isn't there. And that takes you completely out of it. So Capcom gets their stone, throws it up in the air, picks up their pipe, and hits a PR home run, and then strikes out with gameplay with this character. This is really what happened. And, And you guys already kind of brought up the the relevant points people were excited for him his legacy they got people we were excited right as there's the build-up i remember being at combo breaker the kenny omega live action trailer blows us away the uh the design pretty good we can accept that he's become the mayor now that's interesting um i really don't like his his actual just his his regular neutral stance i feel like he's really wide and it's kind of it's not the worst thing in the world but it's it's also certainly not my favorite but when it comes down to it, people don't seem motivated to play him, and they're not excited beyond that initial hype. And and once that legacy factor had faded away because we got our new thing, and it wasn't like you say, Cody, we're just not super around and and not down to play him. And and so yeah, I feel gameplay dud, PR home run, all style no substance. Yeah, I think a very big problem as well is uh, you said like Cody, Street Fighter Five Cody has some cool stuff and such. Um, I do agree, uh, even though we both agree it doesn't really feel like Cody. But what I think is a big problem with Street Fighter Five Cody is basically the whole character is locked behind his V trigger. Like all the yeah. cool stuff he has is in V trigger too. I do like his EX Fireball, but I'm yeah, they're, they're, it's it, it's too far locked behind it. Like he does have cool stuff besides it. his final fight kicks are awesome, you know, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, actually, his V skill too. Um, we are seeing people use that now, and and that is interesting and dynamic. And it does add his dodge move back from Alpha Three. Like that is yeah. actually very cool. But again, we're we're talking about this stuff with one of the most popular characters in the game, our uh, franchise, I should say. And but we're talking about like you're a huge fan of him, and you've barely seen this stuff. Oh and, and yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I have. I'm so uninterested. I tried him for like a day and I was like, uh, hashtag not my Cody on Twitter. And then I went back to Alex. Riddle me this. If it was the same character and this is, you kind of got to give me a little leeway here, but it was the same character, but it wasn't a legacy character. It was the same design and you could play this way, but it wasn't Cody. Um, It was, it was a newcomer. And this was the character that we got as a newcomer. Would that be interesting to play? And I guess my, my more more focused question is, is it because of the departure from what we expected Cody to be that we don't like him? Or is his design just not that fun to play? I think it's a bit of both. Because I, I would definitely be much more okay with the character if you say it was like Axel. He's one of the punks from uh, Mad Gear. In sure, and then you can have the final fight stuff. It's like, oh, this is sort of like yeah, what Cody exactly. did, but yeah. Yeah, so so have like Axel, I guess. We'll just t- I just took a name out of a hat. We say it's Axel. Okay, so it's Axel from Final Fight, and he's doing this stuff. He's not the mayor, because that would make no sense, but he sure. does this stuff. Um, I would be way more okay with it. I also I love Final Fight, so I'm always glad to have more Final Fight characters in the game. Um, but I still wouldn't want to play him, because everything fun is locked behind V-Trigger. Also, we'd have the double axle thing with Guilty Gear and then, you know, that. But, uh. 
Sorry, yeah, I had I to go there. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll, we'll go to wrap this up here. Cody is on the lower end of CFN usage. He's not dreadful, but he's not great. And it's just, man, a- another missed opportunity here, which has kind of been the theme for season three so far. But we're going to get to a character who is hit. And I actually think it's an awesome addition uh, with some big balance problems. And that is G. Uh, he is a DLC character, and he is strong, and that is something that we've been advocating for here uh, with some you know, mixed results here, but he's a, a Q kind of clone, kind of spinoff or whatever. Q is a hugely popular character, and I don't exactly know if Q fits very well into the Street Fighter V universe, like in terms of gameplay and stuff, and I kind of like that Capcom took Q and made him G, basically. Um, we still don't actually ties- know, though. Uh, we don't oh, know well, exactly they, the connection. Exactly. They, they, they've just said that they're connected in some way, right? Yeah. Like a, he's like an alien or something like that, right? Something. So, uh, he has uh, interesting uh, ties with the storylines. He ties in pretty well with the Street Fighter universe, um, you know, and he's a strong character who's actually relevant. He's one character from the season who's been a real presence in tournaments outside of Japan for some reason, but uh, he's... He's there, and he actually is a factor. You've got to learn the matchup and stuff. But I can hear John like just shaking with rage here. Now that I'm talking about G, John, what do you think? Okay, uh, when G was first revealed, that was back during uh, the arcade edition reveal in December before everything came out. He definitely piqued interest. We were thinking, oh, is he? Is he like a? Can he become the gorilla? Does G stand for gorilla? Who is this? Is he connected to Q and all this stuff? And, um, there, there was a lot. He certainly turned heads. He, that was a success from step one success. When he came out, he was cool to play. He was interesting. I like the design with the different levels. I think that's cool and, and, um, and a unique, uh, different way to approach the game. Good. The, but the issue that I have with them is that especially this far into the game and like 30 years into making fighting games in general, you should know and not make the kind of uh, mistakes that they've made with making him overpowered. And, I mean, that's it's become their decision. It's clear that it's become their decision because even in the transition from Season 4 to Season 5, all they really did was pretend to nerf his crouching heavy punch and uh, and give him a stun buff. So I don't like the way the character plays. I think he's, he's broken. Um, he's too powerful for what he gets. Uh, so... He's not a dud by gameplay by any means, so there's even a little bit of success there. But I also think that he's one of this um, the characters that even in season three, uh, I just I, I don't think we explored his potential as a community yet. But I certainly was seeing it towards the end of the year. the The character was just not well designed when it comes to gameplay, overpowered. Now that's a good thing when you want people to come in and play, but he was also fairly difficult to to get to that point with. So he didn't really uh, check the box when it comes to like getting new players to play him because they weren't going to be able to uh, explore that part of the character. So, I mean, good. He was, he was PR, very successful. But the design, I'm just, he's been a, a huge frustration for me and a lot of people, and, um, and I still don't like it. I can't really speak to his PR without bridging over a little bit to the next character because it was a dual reveal. Mm-hmm. at the end so i think that was one of the best moves they made all of season three because sagat was such a highly anticipated character and uh, everyone was kind of just waiting for g to be over with that's the general mood of the room at that point and he had mm-hmm. his voice actor come out and i think i think ono had like a g costume didn't he like something stupid like that oh yeah. Like that. and yeah. they did the 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 scroll like the um yeah sort of like declaration of independence sort of exactly thing, although he's the world not yeah you. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was a puzzle you had to piece together. Like they had a bunch of people in the FGC like do that. Like his really PR cool. was amazing. Yeah, amazing yeah. PR. And then they went up this. Even then, I felt like people were fairly lukewarm. Most people, like the mood of the room, the room being the FGC or the Street Fighter community anyway, was let's get G over with so we can get to the king. That was the general mood. Sure. And then they did all this amazing PR with him. Uh, they had the voice actor. I think that's actually Rufus's voice actor too. I think it's the same voice actor, Makes unless I'm sense. misremembering. Yeah, so he came up and he did this whole reading from the scroll and everything. They have this President of the World song. They do the whole trailer and everyone actually comes around to G almost instantly because that trailer was amazing. And then they mm-hmm. drop the king right after. So they actually managed to take this character who was basically being sent out to slaughter because everyone just wanted Sagat. And they managed to make everyone come around to him and then give everyone Sagat as well. That was like the PR blitz of the century, <laughs> at least for Capcom. It, it, it was very, very, very good. If you're going to announce a brand new character, G is how you do it. Sure. He is the best brand new character you could possibly package in there. They did a brilliant job with it. That voice actor, his speech at Evo, like he could have messed it up 50 times or whatever, but he nailed the entire thing. It was a big speech. It was like, this is going on for a while, but it's cool. Like I, It, it is... Man, I, I can't believe how well they nailed him from a PR standpoint. It's like, is this Capcom? Did NRS get up on stage or, 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 or Namco Bandai or something like that? Like, is this actually Capcom right now? But they did it. I, and they, I could not believe they pulled it off. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, as for his gameplay, I mean, I think the big problem with G gameplay-wise, as with many other characters in Street Fighter V, is his V-Trigger. Because he has this super interesting level system, and you have to maintain these levels. It's hard to maintain these levels. You can't get knocked down. That's not an easy thing to maintain. I mean, uh, if someone goes for a shimmy, you're even more at a risk than normal characters would be, because you're risking losing your level. And that's such an interesting system, and it would work perfectly in any other game, except here, where you have a V-Trigger, which ignores that system and gives the levels to you for free. That's my big problem with him. I feel like, much like I said with Falk, I don't think G was designed to be in Street Fighter V. But where it works to Falk's detriment, it instead works very heavily in G's favor and makes him kind of a dumb character because of that. Because I don't think he would necessarily be dumb if not for free levels. Because getting levels without anything like costing him is not a good look, in my opinion. When that's such a well thought out and uh, like if you manage it correctly, dominant system. There is a there is a scenario where G's oppression and his ability could be earned and and there and and maybe you could say it's like if he gets three levels plus you know scores the advantage from there it's like okay well now you he's earned his way into a 50 50 mix-up that's going to lead to stun into death it's like sure i can i can digest that but not i've been beating up on him all around and now he has v trigger because he's been getting hit and because he's been losing and then he gets to use that to go into uh, an immediate 50 50 advantageous situation if i didn't block low randomly to, to begin with and, and it just yeah the reward is is much too high for v trigger yeah i think so yeah. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put a controversial opinion out there, but um, I think season four G was actually perfectly fine, but season five G is not. And yeah, he did not get many changes, but the thing about it is he got people to finally play him. And we have seen far too many DLC characters come out and just not have people ever play him because they're not good enough. You have to start with your DLC DLC characters being good and then tone them down. Get people on board with playing them because then they'll stick with the character. If Manat came out and she always sucked, no one would play her. But since people have gotten good with her and they understand the character and there was a reward for playing her at some point, they have stuck with her now. And she, despite being incredibly technical and hard to play and of questionable quality levels in terms of, of like how good she is right now in season five, like there's people that have her up in the top 10 and there's people that have her down in like the 20s. Like she's she's all right. But like if that was her from the get go, most people never would have touched her. And I think that history shows you need to make a character good and interesting and then tone him down from that point. And I think G is a classic case of that. He really should have been toned down here in season five. People are playing him now and a lot of people are switching over to him. But you do have to have that incentive there to put in time with a character this technical and this hard to play. I don't know. I, I mean, I've this is also a discussion for another podcast, but I really don't agree with him being that hard to play like he is mm-hmm. not easy I'll relative give you that. to street fighter 5 sure but like, yeah the hardest stuff in street fighter 5 uh, that's definitely a subject for another day i so right. disagree with that but, street but, fighter 5 is so <laughs> underrated but yeah whichever way i do not like if we're looking at street fighter 5's roster i saw this uh, article that you and steven did i think you both had him at number two mm-hmm. yeah i'm not sure he'd even make my top 10 so for me hearing like that he's hard to play and technical i'm like it's like that Larry David gif I'm just standing there like which part do I disagree with first that's kind of how I feel about it but yeah so leaving all that aside a discussion for another day Um, I do think G is well designed as a character he has very good animations he draws eyes on him instantly he has this like mighty speech you know like 4 has in uh, Marvel 3 which was the best thing ever um, and he has all this cool stuff embedded in him. The level system, and that it's called presidentiality levels, is also sick. Like his story, even though we don't even know that much about it, is intriguing. I think, like in every aspect, he's basically a home run. He got they got people to play him because he's fun to play. He does cool stuff. It feels satisfying to do stuff with him. I just think that the V trigger ruins him. <laughs> so I would be like. To me, he feels like a character that they might have needed to have in Street Fighter VI, which doesn't have a V system, and then he'd work perfectly. That's kind of how I feel, but I still think everything about him except his balance is amazing. Mm -hmm. I can't disagree. G is the best character of Season 3 here, I think is kind of what we're getting at, and it's an okay success in a vacuum just for him, but looking at Season 3 overall, if G is like the shining star of that, I don't think that works well. And that kind of sucks because on CFN usage, he's about 20 range overall, which is about average. Again, 40 characters. Um, Man, you know, that, that, like, I, there's a lot we like about G, but he should not be your number one character for an entire season. Like, that should not be your, your bar for success. Um, And speaking of who should have been the number one character for the season and who we got is Sagat. And, his story is cool. It's Sagat. He is so damn iconic, but his gameplay isn't strong enough. It's good, but this is Sagat. He should be a powerful big-time presence in tournament. This is a character you cannot afford to screw up on a gameplay standpoint, in my opinion. He's just too big. His 
the role he fits in a Street Fighter game, what he does, it's not 100% unique to him, but it's special. It is iconic. It's Sagat. He is the king. He is a huge character. He's a boss character. He's the original boss of Street Fighter 1, and they screwed him up. It's he's and they screwed him up just because he's so underwhelming. He's just there, and you can't have Sagat just be there. He should be a huge presence. But yeah, yeah, thirty years of legacy, thirty years of him being that boss character that was he was interesting and intriguing to play just as you know against him in Street Fighter One as the final boss, or in Street Fighter Two getting to Sagat was a moment. Fast forward into the Street Fighter Four times where well. <laughs> Street Fighter 2 with him being almost, you know, arguably broken in gameplay there. But then you have stuff like, you know, Bon Chan and and, and Ryan Hart uh, destroying people with Sagat and having that presence. Like that's he's he's got such an esports potential, right? Because he's so damn cool. The eye patch and the 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 satisfaction of how he lands his attacks and uh, and his storyline is pretty cool as well. Like you're saying, there's a ton of potential here. 30 years worth of it. It's like uh, when you go to Blanca, who also has 30 years of potential, but he's, he's been on a very different track. Or you have these new characters that have no years of, of legacy and such, and, and you can do something with them. But when you have a character with as much potential as Sagat, that's what we mean when you want like this to be your home run. Because if this is your home run, that's going to go far. If Blanca's your home run, it's like, that's good, but that's not going to go as, nearly as far as Sagat or Sakura. But I, I would say that Sagat's even a, a bigger deal. Okay, so two two things here. First of all, if we're going to talk about Broken Sagat and like how Sagat should be remembered or whatever, we can't forget CVS2. Because oh, yeah. CVS2 oh, Sagat yeah. is punch. a oh, complete yeah. nightmare. All you need is Crouching Heavy Punch and you'll you'll be able to win. It's he's very, very powerful in that game. Um, and, and second of all, I think a big problem with Sagat in Street Fighter V is that people are not giving the character a chance because there is this narrative around the game where fireballs are bad, but at the same time, everyone kind of accepts that Giles' fireballs actually aren't bad, right? Nobody's really saying that Giles' fireball game is bad. And on the last podcast, we were talking about... It, it was the last one or the one before. And we were talking a lot about Guile and his fireballs. Um, yeah, I think it was the one before because we were talking about the underrated characters. And uh, I brought up Sagat, and uh, someone in the comments after had said, like, why are you talking about uh, Guile's V-Skill being the reason he's uh, the strongest Fireball character? Uh, He has the best frames. That he doesn't. Sagat has better frames on his Fireballs, and they don't require charge. He has less recovery than Guile does. But nobody knows this because they don't bother to even look it up. Because they've just decided that Fireballs are bad. That's just the narrative everyone's built. And yes, fireballs are worse in Street Fighter V than they are in Street Fighter IV. I think we'll all agree on that. That doesn't make fireballs useless. And that's kind of what Bonchan has been saying the whole time. That like fireballs have a very strong potential in any fighting game. And you need to look at what a fireball is and what a fireball isn't. And if you can't even be asked to look up frame data and see the recovery on his fireball, then maybe you shouldn't be talking about how good or bad Sagat is on Twitter. You know what I mean? not wrong, but it's sort of apples to oranges in the sense that, well, with someone like Guile, there's a little more versatility because Sagat's going to be chucking plasma, and sure, his his frame data might be better, but then what if Guile throws a slow boom and then is able to walk behind it and then have even better advantage after throwing a fireball and being able to use his fireballs in different ways it's like there's a lot of way there are a lot of different angles from which to approach this to say that one character is better than the other so yes sagat maybe have better frame data but 
the overall useful usefulness of his fireballs and effectiveness still might be worse than Giles. Absolutely. And I never said anything against that. But I'm talking about people who don't even bother to look up stuff and still sit there and say, oh, no, but they're bad because fireballs are bad. Because, like, the argument is, oh, no, Giles are better because he has such fast recovery. Ah, well, he doesn't compared to Sagat, right? And, yeah, they might have better versatility, or they do have better versatility, let's be honest. But I think people are just writing off everything Sagat does because uh, it seems bad, so it's bad. Someone on Twitter said it's bad, it's bad. I think Sagat is much stronger than people give him credit for. Not a top tier, by any means. But I definitely think he's a character that can fight at top levels. And I totally agree with you, Nick. And I mean, Bonchamp's proven that. But um, I love Street Fighter V. It's my favorite Street Fighter V, or Street Fighter game ever. But the perception battle is a legit one that the game designers need to fight and they need to address. And I do see it being on them with the fireballs and the zoning in this game, where it's like the perception of them being so terrible it's it's a thing like it, it, it it's like you kind of have to address that in ways and maybe you have to buff up some characters like a or Sagat to just kind of make them organically a little bit better to fight against the perception of what people have in the community and to help them realize that it's better. And yeah, Sagat, Sagat might be too strong for like a season or so, but you can nerf him down. And that's kind of like why I advocate for DLC characters being so strong is you get to see these new styles kind of come out and be different and unique and you get to experience that part of the game. The incentive to play Sagat is not strong enough yet and i really do put that on the street fighter 5 developers they they had a chance with them they had a great chance with them and they screwed it up you know and it's like ah it's i and i don't disagree with you nick you are right but you also as a game developer you fight perception with your your fans you have to show them sometimes lead them freaking all the way to the end of the tunnel and just have them press a button to get that success and whatnot and, and that is your job you have to you have to educate people you have to market stuff in the right way you have to educate yeah, you have to put that stuff out there. And and it's where Street Fighter V has probably been the biggest failure um, from Capcom is them not showing people enough of what the game really is and what it has. Uh, and, and they can do that so many ways. And, and yeah, I guess Capcom didn't see that, did they? Ten points. It's Bison covering his hand, mocking Sagat in the uh, Street Fighter movie. The, the fans got it. You, just because you guys are on culture doesn't mean that the fans didn't get it and they're laughing to themselves. Gotcha. Uh, no, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you have a point. I mean, it doesn't matter how much I sit here citing frame data or how much I look at, like, Sagat's moves in general. Like, I mean, they're not dominant in any way. I want to make that clear. I'm not calling him a top tier. Absolutely not. I just think he's being slept on. But it doesn't actually matter how right or wrong I am about that because the perception is what matters because as as they say perception is reality so if everyone decides that Sagat sucks then guess what Sagat sucks until the perception changes that's just how it is and uh, yeah that I guess is on the developers to convince players that that's not the case and uh, I mean no matter how underrated I think Sagat is I can't disagree with him being a bit of a dud yeah. So would would we all agree then, and it sounds like we're kind of getting to this and it's a little bit of uh, iffy waters, but would it have been better for Sagat to be a little overpowered and then maybe reduced later on as opposed to underpowered? And this is specifically to this character because of his legacy and because of what people want to see out of him. Should he have been maybe a little bit of an OP problem if it's going to err on one side or the other? Obviously the best is that he's just perfectly balanced, but if it had to be OP or UP, should it have been OP? 
I think it's always more fun to have strong characters than weak characters. So if you have to pick one or the other, I would say OP. But I don't think that's something you should strive for either. I don't think... I don't entirely agree with John about, like, having... Okay, we put in this new character. They need to be very strong so people play them. They need to be very interesting so people play them. I'm going to go back to Street Fighter Four Cody. He was played a ton, but he was never considered good. Ever. But he was played a lot. Despite that, I don't think you need to make characters strong to have them played a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a much more nuanced take that I have had, and I might be adopting that in the future, Nick. I actually appreciate <laughs> that. that is a, that's a much better point than, than what I have. I think mine was a little more uh, ham-fisted. But I, uh, needing more time to think about what Nick just said, I, I will just say that I think that overall it's important that characters, they have a presence from the get-go. So not just Sagat, it's like everyone. Every character from the get-go needs to be compelling enough to pick up and go with. And we just talked about what they did with G. That was great. It's worked out. Uh, and again, it's there should be no excuse for any character that they do. That that does not happen. And I mean, overall, it's like you're going to have a few duds just happen. That that That's life. You know, that's reality. But overall, that should kind of be the barometer, you know, they're trying to hit. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on here, we have got season four. And to run that down here, we had Kage, Ihanda, Poison, Lucia, Gil, and Seth. Uh, Kage is one of the most popular characters in the entire game. He is a gigantic achievement there, especially coming this late into the game's lifespan. And so to get that much traction with a character, have him very high up there on the CFN, you know, ratings and all that kind of stuff, like I'm kind of a little bit mind blown. Um, and I know the hardcore reaction to Kage, like by the FGC, was not good, but people bought him and are still playing him. His tournament record, it's a little dicey, right? Like uh, most people who actively actually play Kage put him as an, like an alt, you know, to, to have a little bit of like kind of a different look from their main. Um, but Evil Ryu, Kage, whatever, very, very popular with casual players. And having him as an option, I look at him as a big win for season four. And yeah. So. He's interesting, if not strong. Right? Um, interesting to play. Uh, yeah, he seems more interesting to play than I gave him credit for in the beginning. I still don't like him very much. But he's evil Ryu. He is. And that's the thing. Making an evil version of your main character is always going to get people to play them. I'm not going to make any judgments on who's playing them because they, they already feel judged just from me saying that. But we see this all the time. You have Devil Jin. Oh, that, that's a thing. They made a palette swap of Haomaru in Samurai Shodan, his own character, Rasetsumaru, because they need to have the evil one. They did it more times in Samurai Shodan because they made Enja, who was Kazuki, but evil. He, he's a bad guy now. And, you know, they do this over and over and over. And you know why they do it? Because it sells. Why? why yeah. other, what other reason could there be? So, like, seeing Evil Ryu... I refuse to use the fake name they've given him. Um, show up. I was extremely underwhelmed. I think his animations are... The good ones are copy-pasted, and the bad ones are whack. What are the bad ones? Uh, his Tatsu. He just breaks his leg randomly. Oh, it's the yeah, weirdest thing I ever. Like tatsu. Yeah, it looks so weird. Um, I, I, I was very underwhelmed, but I knew he was going to sell. So I can't really blame Capcom for doing it. But to me, personally, it reeked of desperation, which I kind of get, given how the rest of the season went. 
Are, you mean, you, by rest of the season, do you mean Street Fighter V's entire lifespan? I mean, uh, we're doing things differently. Oh, oh no. Yeah, let's let's save that differently for another time. But yeah. Uh, um, I, I, and, and this is actually my thing about Kage, is that I get that he falls flat for hardcore people in the FGC. They like hate his horns of all things and whatnot. I don't mind uh, but those, like, actually. Yeah, but so many casual players are like, they're really into the guy. I mean, it, it's his CFN usage is crazy good and i'm just like i look at this and go man like this is just something where the hardcore players i don't think get it and i'm like if you can have this big of a dlc character like four years after you release your game uh do this well i'm like okay yeah i'm i don't get it but i have to respect that that you actually pulled this out and were able to pull it off what is it that the hardcore players would be would be saying because you know you got like sako and and daigo both exploring the character heavily Again, what Nick said, like, it's just an evil character. It's just reused moveset. Uh, he doesn't look that cool. Um, again, it's a, a lot of the kind of general complaints of him just being a knockoff character, basically. I mean, that was the same thing with Evil Ryu in Street Fighter Four, And the two people you just brought up both played Evil Ryu in Street Fighter Four, So they I already like knew everybody this else, though, But because yeah. he was a ridiculous. Yeah, but I mean, I mean they already had this. They, they already saw this and went, okay, whatever. And then he came in Street Fighter Five, and they went, okay, whatever. <laughs> and they just played him, you know? Hmm. I never felt like Kage was not a hype character. This is kind of new to me. Um, you guys are saying about him not like being that cool. Maybe there's issue with him like not quite being evil Ryu or like what exactly you're trying to do here, legitimize him within the canon of the story, whatever. I don't, to me, that's not a big deal either way. Um, and it, But I acknowledge that it does resonate more with, with other people. So it is a factor into all this. But I think Kage was something that people really wanted. They wanted a, a taste of Street Fighter 4, and Kage was that in a lot of ways. He was Evil Ryu. His V skill was definitely a callback to the focus attacks of Street Fighter 4. It wasn't a focus attack. Like, there are clear differences, but it was certainly a callback to that. I think most of his animations were super or are super sick and are very satisfying and fun to do. His gameplay, he's not the best. He certainly wasn't the best when he first released, but he was still cool to play, hitting Demon, being able to combo into Demon, um, uh, having you know multiple multiple critical arts like Akuma. Uh, he, he was cool, uh, and, he, and he remains to be that. And I think that he was overall a success, a little bit of a dud in gameplay, and he, and he has been significantly buffed, um, maybe not... Maybe he, he may or may not have gotten significantly better, but he's certainly gotten a lot of people to play him and, and be excited for him uh, with the buffs into Season 5. And I know we're talking within the restrictions of Season 4, but I think Kage was a pretty big success that also didn't get to uh, be celebrated because of the circumstances that you guys already sort of got to. But yeah, he was he was right there at the beginning, right? Because he was at actually the end of Season 3. He was right there at Capcom Cup. They had the gun to shoot off, you know, into the air to mark the beginning of the race of season four, but they instead pointed it straight down into their foot and shot themselves in the foot with Kage's beginning with Kage's early release on accident. They leaked him themselves. So a lot of the hype surrounding Kage, a lot of the PR and still ultimately was pretty good. But they stepped on the, they, they got in their own way in a lot of ways. And then that started us off into this eight months or seven months of radio silence and um, possibly the worst PR stint or the worst PR stretch for Street Fighter V, which is saying something if you listen to last week, uh, seasons one and two, and especially coming off of the hotness that was season three, Kage got wrapped up into that and it sort of was a black hole sucking away at his hype as well. And that was unfortunate. But 
in a vacuum, I think the character checked a lot of boxes for a lot of people that were wanting a um, kind of an echo from Street Fighter 4. They wanted evil Ryu. They wanted someone that was cool looking, and, and, and I always thought he was, and reasonably fun to play. I think he was, uh, he's like a pretty strong B plus across the board is what I would say. I, I think a big factor here, which I only just realized now that you were talking about it, because I've had the same experience with basically anyone who came into the FGC with Street Fighter 4, because you did, right? Yeah, competitively speaking, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have other friends who did that too, and every one of them seems to embrace Evil Ryu, because that's what I'm going to call him. I refuse to use yeah. any other name. Anyone who either came in from a different game or like spread themselves outside of Street Fighter in the last few years, because I came in with four as well, are much less, much more underwhelmed with the character. And I'll I'll let John, as in Catalyst here, be the tiebreaker for me on this because that's how I think the perception of the character goes. Because I know you played a lot of different games before four as well competitively. Evil Ryu has got a he's got a legacy to him and he there is just kind of something cool and intriguing about him especially with Ryu being uh, one of the most iconic video game characters of all time and Ryu's kind of like he's not the ultimate good guy but he's very much good to his core. He doesn't do anything bad. It's all he does is fight and so it's just he's naturally intriguing to a lot of people because uh, it's like having an evil version of Luke Skywalker, right? You know or, or anything like that like in He's just, he's iconic because he is, you know, kind of thing. Like, and, and he deserves all that. And uh, Seth Killian mentioned this at one point, too. It's like people love the Shoto move set in fighting games. Uh, most every fighting game out there has a Shoto move type of set. And he he's a character where, you know, um, uh, Street Fighter 4, he had the, the crouching medium kick from Street Fighter 3. Like, there's so many different versions of Shotos. You can bring back those move sets in different flavors. And it's just, there's a magic, there's a, there's a, just a special quality to a, a shadow character like this and, and it just it kind of it trumps all things for me uh yeah so you think he's good he's 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 special he's he, he's he's special he's interesting he it, it just works like um it, it works really well mm-hmm. all right Right on. So fast forwarding eight months later. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Nick actually keeps calling him uh, Evil Ryu. Um, uh, but Eviler, back in development. Actually. Yeah, Evil the Ryu. Yeah. Uh, but back in development, apparently he was actually called Evil Ryu, according to some people. Uh, and they actually changed it kind of like a couple months later on to Kage. So there actually is a valid reason why Nick keeps calling him that. Uh, it's Capcom. Sometimes stuff gets changed last minute. And, uh, and yeah. But um, so let's go ahead and, and move on here to uh, the triple reveal that we got. That was Honda, Poison, and Lucia. They all happened at Evo. Um, we actually correctly to. predicted. Yeah, supposed to. Uh, we actually correctly <laughs> d- predicted that uh, Honda was going to be added to the game because Ono was dropping all sorts of various hints and whatnot. We kind of pieced some stuff together. He tweeted at us and said, you guys are reading way too much into this. And lo and behold, there's Honda. Uh, he, of course, got leaked along with the other characters by Steam um, a little ways before Evo happened. But uh, going specifically to Honda, he isn't a big presence in the community, and Nick has talked about him quite a bit, actually, as when he was an underrated character that we listed, but there are many fans of this character, and he just made a ton of sense to include in the game. Despite him not being very good and, you know, whatever, it's just he is a he's a presence people kind of expect to have happen in a Street Fighter game at some point. Um, and you could call him a failure, but I think he's a bit like Blanca, where it's just good that he's in the game, and 
he's it's good that he's playable and he's good he's decent like he's kind of a necessary evil is how i would call him he might not ever be a huge win but it's like yeah just include him in the game and and so if you're gonna call honda a failure i think it's a soft one because it's just like it's just good that he's there like and especially this late in a game's lifespan you kind of expect to get all those characters that should be there into the game i think uh i I think we need to address something before we go in too far on honda which is that we just jumped nine months. And that's very important to highlight when we talk about the PR for this season. Because not only did we just jump nine months, they were nine months of dead silence. Yeah. Absolutely nothing from Capcom. They, when uh, Evil Ryu was released, they said, oh, we don't have a season pass. So a lot of people were under the assumption that he would be the last character we'd get for almost an entire year a lot of people were under this assumption. And then, right, everyone was kind of getting geared up for Evo. Everyone's thinking, Evo is the last chance. This is the only time we could possibly get a Street Fighter V reveal um, if there's anything left in the game. And it leaks to <laughs> three days early. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and this time, not, not by any fault of Capcom, uh, magically, I should say, because uh, it's been their fault quite a few times. But actually, this No, time... no, I'm uh, Nick, I have to interrupt. I'm pretty sure it's Capcom's fault because I'm sure they built their building on some kind of like sacred burial mm-hmm. ground or something <laughs> like that happened. <laughs> Maybe. It's, Maybe. That is the only <laughs> thing that makes sense at this point in time for why this game is cursed. Yeah. I just, yeah, oh my gosh, but yeah. All right, so so I just want to get that out of the way because we'll be talking about the PR rating and stuff here, and that <sighs> is going to be the main factor in rating the PR of Season five, season 4, I think. Uh, but yes, Honda. I would not call Honda a failure in any sense of the word, personally because uh, he was the last Street Fighter 2 character to be added. They did this great homage in his reveal trailer. His music was great. He had all his old stuff. He had all a bunch of new stuff, you know? He had a lot of cool things. Um, they brought back the bathhouse, one of the most popular stages yeah. from Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Uh, PR-wise, I think they hit a home run with Honda, honestly. I think he was... It, it, that's the problem, because the PR... The, the whole year before him was so terrible that it's easy to forget. But that trailer was actually super hype. I think they did a lot of stuff right with it. They gave him like a businessman suit, which you can see as a Yakuza suit if you want. Uh, they gave him the Yokozuna. That's like a sumo master uh, suit. They gave him so much cool stuff, man. Uh, I really love it. I love how he has like one one of these uh, V triggers where it just steam blows out and he becomes super sweaty. It's so hype. <laughs> they got all these cool sumo references with him. I don't think Honda's ever looked better than in Street Fighter Five. His animations and everything are great too. I mean, I, I think that's an amazing implementation. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think to reconcile what John was saying, and maybe this is like a soft fail versus what Nick is saying here, he's another one of those lower stakes characters and but but he did check all of the boxes when you want honda and he he wasn't as cool as blanca chan by any means but you're Mm -hmm. right like the bathhouse was a cool talking point he's got some cool animations and some cool uh uh, costumes that all checks out just fine and is a little bit into the into the positive and then he comes out and no one's expecting a super strong character right because honda just as he's always worked he's one of those more polarized like where he's either you're gonna make him ridiculously strong but most of the time he's one of those that has to kind of fight for it more than than others and then like that's that's okay 
hey, it's just it is what it is. Dalsam tends to fall in that sort of a category a little bit too, I think. But the point is people weren't expecting huge things from him. And we're not really getting huge things, but I think we're getting more than we thought we would. Because the character is very interesting in that, like, yes, he has all of his recognizable. He didn't fall into the trap that Cody fell into. He has all the stuff that you'd want to see from him, but they've implemented it in digestible and fun and and very nuanced ways where you can actually do a lot more with that character than you might think in your choices of like what level of hands to use for certain situations and to to use his V skills in in certain ways and like you can actually explore and do a lot of kind of crazy stuff and he's powerful enough where he's not going to be the best in the game and I don't think you really want him to be um, but no. he's right where he kind of should be and then a little bit exciting uh, a little bit more fun than we thought i think he checks every box that they wanted there and 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 as we'll get into season four and pr wise not very great but i would argue that season four might be the best that capcom has done in implementing gameplay characters with where they want them to be um because well they've also had now like you know three years to to refine and understand their approach and such and uh, and I think Honda, like I say, checked all of the boxes and even went a little bit above what we expected. He just isn't the highest stakes kind of a character. And so that that home run that he might have been was still just kind of like, a, oh, well, all right, cool, good, great. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't like Honda here, like who else at this point are you looking at adding? Like he's just the right choice. Like he's he's a good choice to add later on in the game's lifespan to just kind of make it, you know, Street Fighter. Yeah, because right? I think we're at a point now where a lot of popular characters can't really be added because you don't want to be added too late. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's not a lot left. Yeah. So um, uh, anyway, um, uh, next character is uh, Poison. Um Poison helped win Capcom Cup. Uh, she added a style that was lacking in the game in terms of more mid-range zoners, and she continues to be a regular presence in tournament. Uh, I'd say she's another good win. Some might even argue um, a great win, actually, for the game, and I wouldn't disagree. Like, I, I kind of don't know where she's at, like, power-wise, um, but, like she's interesting people are playing her especially they're playing her now in season five uh, i think she got some good buffs uh, i think that item opened everyone's eyes to how good she could be uh, she's beautiful i love her brand new design i know some people are not fond of it uh, i think she looks phenomenal um and, and i mean i think she's an interesting character uh, she's got a lot going for her in my opinion okay i need to jump in she looks like a clown like that's the worst makeup i've seen ever like she looks awful and i love poison I played Poison in Street Fighter 4. I can't stand the way she looks in 5. Oh, man. In all she of her appearances terrible. or just her, not, not her all default of her. Her, costume? Her default. Her default in particular. I think she has some good costumes. She has that one where uh, I think it's the story costume, which is like a wrestling promoter costume where she has the shades and everything. I like that mm-hmm. one a lot. I think that one looks really good. But is that the one with the dress? The yeah, the dress, white dress. Hair? Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, it's really good. I think that one's great. But um, as far as Poison goes, again, I played her in Street Fighter 4. Uh, I liked her a lot in Street Fighter 4. So obviously they would remove all her entire moveset from Street Fighter 4 because that's what they do to me every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a big fan at all of uh, Poison Street Fighter 5. Apparently a lot of people are, and a lot of people talk about how original and unique she is. Uh, a lot of people that never played King of Fighters 99, I guess, because uh, she's basically taken everything straight from Whip, who's a 20-year-old character in King of Fighters. Uh, so it's hard for me to call it original. Uh, new to Street Fighter, by all means. Um, 
Yeah, um, perception-wise, uh, she seems to have been a decent success. Uh, I don't know how much of that is to her Street Fighter Five implementation or how much of it is just Poison popularity, because Poison is a very popular character. Um, mm-hmm. so it's hard for me to gauge that, but for me personally, she's a massive dud, but I'm also objective enough to see that she isn't an, a dud for Capcom. I'm, that's fair. I'm proud of you, Nick, because that, that I, I feel the same way when I when I look at it. Uh, for me, she's cool, and I can appreciate that she is a like a, she's an above average character when it comes to hype and potential. So if like Honda was maybe a little below average or very average, uh, Poison's above average here, and they they captured a lot of that. Maybe not all of it. Maybe she wasn't perfect. There's some little things that people could get hung up on, and she was fairly intricate and technical and people weren't sure how to approach her because it was for sure that the traditional way of approaching her when it came to gameplay wasn't really getting the job done. There's a lot of talk of Poison maybe being like the worst of the the three new characters when they came out, but it turned out I think it was more along the lines of her just being technical and needing some more time relative uh, compared to the other two. She certainly has caught her stride. <laughs> Idom using her in Capcom Cup was, was certainly a big part of that, but um, you know, people were doing that even before that, that just kind of put her on the map more than ever. And now she's in full swing. And I, I don't hate her design. I think some of her other costumes are, are definitely better. Uh, but it's like it's not a deal breaker for me. She's got a lot of charisma. She retains that charisma. Her gameplay is not broken, but it is interesting and fun. And we're finding out that it's better and better and better than we when you initially did. Again, checking the boxes that Capcom really wanted to check with this character, I think she was absolutely a success. Yeah, I have to give it to them. The one thing I will mention that I, I did think Capcom missed on with, with Poison is that Hugo isn't really there with her. Like, I'd I love to see Hugo come out, like, as part of her animations or something like that, because they're just so tied together. I'm used to them, and, like, it would be cool to see Hugo in the game um, just kind of show up for a little bit, right? But um, I, I know he's in some backgrounds. I mean, they should do costume that. for Abigail. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, in Street Fighter 3, that was Poison's first canonical appearance in uh, Street Fighter. Because she was in Hugo's intros and win poses. So it yeah. would be fun to have it the other way around this time. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of like a missed opportunity. But overall, I I, I think Poison's pretty damn good. And it's like, yeah, it's that works. Uh, and so we got two Final Fight characters, actually, with this, this uh, batch of characters. And the next one was Lucia. And Lucia, to me, has been fairly heavily hyped right out of the gate and mm-hmm. I don't think she's lived up to that no she's got decent usage in tournament and it's not a total shock to see her up there on a stream but her results have been very questionable where people are saying this is going to be a brand new top tier character that just has not panned out so she's somewhere in the middle for me not a success not a failure it's fine you can't win them all uh, I, I think she's been good enough to be like yeah this is you know I'm not upset about the character but it's also I can't get hyped about her either it's like yeah, it's it, she's maybe a little above average, but like I can't give her more than maybe like a six out of ten. But there it is. Well, when they were first shown, these three characters were leaked. If you remember, and this is a feat because you have legacy with Honda, you have legacy with Poison, and, and even more charisma there. But it was Lucia that people were talking about the most. That was turning the most heads. She was the coolest when they showed the trailers, and then right after these characters came out. 
people were exploring. They were doing all three of them, but Lucia was getting absolutely the most traction, as far as I could tell. I mean, I, I haven't looked at numbers or and such, but there was a lot of hype around her. Uh, she she was flashy. She was fun to play. She had interesting fireball game and and goofy, crazy rushdown. And people were excited to jump on this character who was not brand new. She was in Final Fight Three, but she was very new to the the majority of of Street Fighter players and then people that are playing Street Fighter Five. I think. Um, um, and for her to steal away the spotlight from Honda, okay, but Honda and Poison, it's like, that's a success from the the early days. Like, they did a good job presenting this character for the first time and bringing people in, making them want to play her. But the craziest part about that is her first trailer didn't even show any of her cool stuff. Her first trailer just made her look, like, kind of boring, but you're still right, Everyone she was like hyped Girl for her. Ken, right? Yeah, like pretty much. On fire and doing spin kicks. And pretty stuff, much. Yeah. They didn't show any of her cool things. And then they did like a second trailer, I think, like at Evo, where they showed more individual gameplay. Because the first trailer we got was a grouping of all three, right? And we got more individual trailers. And then they just suddenly showed all this other stuff that she had. And I was like, what? Where was all this in your first trailer? The first trailer was super boring. What's going on? And uh, she came out um, and... I'm a huge fan of Final Fight. In Street Fighter 4, I played exclusively Final Fight characters, pretty much. Almost. Not, not entirely, but almost. I loved all of them. I've been on record saying that I would like to see every previously playable Final Fight character appear in Street Fighter 5 before they botched Cody. Uh, except for Saddam, because I don't like Saddam. For whatever reason, I don't like him very much. But anyway, I was super hyped about Final Fight in general. Until Street Fighter V came. It kind of ruined that for me. But then Lucia came and she is a Final Fight character through and through. She's amazingly fun to play. She has all these different combo routes that feel so different from what I experienced with most characters in Street Fighter V. She has attitude. She has an amazing voice in both English and Japanese. She has a banging song. And she is everything I want in a fighting game character. I give her a 10 out of 10 on a personal basis. As far as like objectively looking at her i think she like you were saying raptor she was she was a success in the sense that she kind of stole the spotlight from these established characters which was surprising given they did this triple reveal of them and it did, this was in the midst of a lot of anger because people were still angry after nine months of absolutely nothing mm -hmm. even though we got all this at the same time people were just like why weren't you just releasing these like one three months ago and one six months ago this makes no sense you know so it was kind of a weird mix. It was a very weird situation. Even then, the hype for Lucia was real. And uh, I was one of the most hyped once I got to try her. Man, I love that character. So the issue ended up being not that she wasn't very attractive to play, not that she didn't have a lot of fireworks and pizzazz. She was interesting. Like we brought this up earlier, right? You want your new characters to uh, not necessarily be strong, but interesting. And she was. But maybe it turns out that she's not quite strong enough. And I mean, that can be rectified, right? It's yeah. Sort of a balance patch. But maybe this is an example of absolutely fun, interesting, but just not quite strong enough to keep people there. And even then, it's like, well, maybe I don't know how popular she's she's been since. I feel like she was very popular initially, and then maybe she's fallen off quite a bit since. But, um, but yeah, she, she turned heads. She got people to try her out. She was fun. Or she is fun, uh, but maybe just not strong enough to hang. I've seen a lot of people sub her, but not very many people maining her. Um, Momochi and Sako both brought her out in uh, CPT events. Uh, El Chakode 
the Mika player. He also plays a lot of Lucia, especially on the stream, and he's a warlord online. So she definitely shows up. I know gunfight. He's disillusioned with Alex again, and he's switching over to Lucia, or so he claims. So she definitely is a character that a lot of people are looking at, but not very many are actually maining her in like a tournament setting just yet. But we need to keep in mind, even now, these characters haven't been out for that long, especially not in a competitive sense, since we haven't had a CPT this year. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think anything from this triple triple threat of a Honda, Poison, Lucia onwards, it's hard to gauge how successful they've been competitively. Yeah, I very firmly agree with that because it's it, this season is very much an incomplete with especially, again, it's how Capcom does stuff and it's like the characters don't usually hit their stride until a season after they came out. Right. And we're still waiting for that to happen. And, uh, and yeah. Yeah, it's hard, hard to say. We can only go with the limited information we have. Mm-hmm. But just to, to reiterate, though, that as far as the execution of this character... Um, maybe something wanting in strength, but everything else checked. And it's arguable that like maybe even that strength category, she doesn't need to be the best in the game, you know? Uh, she just needs to be viable and, and worth playing. And it sounds like she's pretty close to viable. So I, I think she's really good here. through and through. Yeah, a little bit more juice, I think. And, uh, but overall, you know, it worked. You know, it wasn't a, a bang, but it, it worked. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next character that we're going to talk about is Gil. Oh, the worst uh, character in the game? <laughs> he's one of my favorite additions to Street Fighter V ever uh i love his gameplay and i think he looks amazing uh maybe the best looking dlc character capcom has ever added um it's i think we're going to see a lot of them in tournament uh when we see stuff going again we talked about gil a lot on previous podcasts so uh just a very quick recap and i'm going to kind of be quiet about him and that's we thought he was underrated and very good uh that's kind of yeah it's we've talked about him a ton yeah, I think I even mentioned on the podcast that I think he is bar none the best designed character in Street Fighter V. Not aesthetically, although he is good aesthetically as well, but in how his gameplay works. He has this whole entire system built around him with the uh, retribution mechanic, which I think is super interesting. It's so rewarding. It's uh, so much fun to watch. I just think... They really nailed the presence of this character as a true boss character, which is what he's supposed to be, but still having him be a viable, playable character, which boss characters most often aren't. He's a head-turner, for sure. He was exciting um, from a, uh, I guess, a PR standpoint. It was uh, Gil coming in as like this this legendary character from the Street Fighter Three days that people talked about for more than one reason. But he's never been officially playable. I think you could access him as a secret character and such, right? But never been officially playable. And then to to implement him into the game, but separate him somehow and make him line up with his his theme of being a god, being set apart from everybody else and being stronger and more able, giving him that true boss character feeling without breaking him is, uh, is no easy feat. And I think they really did it here. Uh, I don't... I, again... As far as competition goes, we'll have to see because we really don't have a good sampling here with the character. But I suspect, especially with Nemo uh, behind him, we're going to see some good things. He is an esports success. He's, he's so flashy with retribution combos and the, the little mini explosions that happen on the screen. You turn people frozen. You turn them on fire. 
his stage is super cool. Uh, I mean, uh, he's, he's great through and through. And again, another one of those examples where Capcom checks the boxes PR-wise and they check the boxes gameplay-wise. Um, and then this one is a little bit above average as well. Maybe a lot above average, depending on how much you like the, uh, the the system and how well implemented you think it is. Like you guys think it's really good. I think it's pretty good. And I think a lot of people would agree. So again, another one of those characters that everything about him is, is, is great. And he's not breaking the game. You know, it's like he's not being this big distracting frustration who can, you know, do like, you know, robbery stuff. Like that's not really a thing with them. There's there's obviously controversy about how powerful he is. A lot of people are putting him way low on the tier lists. And like, at least around here, we can't see why. Why would you? It's like maybe you just haven't played enough against them or with them or and such. But um, that just means that, well, he's he's all over the place. So we're not all that certain. But I think he's pretty strong. And uh, and yeah, so success through yeah. and through. Yeah. You don't think he's the worst character in the game? <laughs> no, I very Trash much don't think he's the worst yeah. character in the game. Yeah, but even when you look at uh, the presentation of him, because uh, at that point we had most people suspecting Gil because we'd had a leak again, as usual. And this mm. time it was uh, Gil and Seth and that it would be called Champion Edition and all this stuff. Uh, basically everything that ended up being true. And because of this, a lot of people were suspecting Gil. And despite that, he was hype. A lot of people really embraced him. His trailer was very well made. They had a great rendition of the second impact theme for him. They had the stage, which is my favorite stage in the game, uh, Sun Chase Moon. I love that stage so much. Uh, I have a friend who plays Colleen. So I was playing Lucia against him. And we make sure we pick the player side so he's on the ice side and I'm on the fire side. <laughs> we play that stage. Uh, so yeah, very very cool stage, uh, very cool everything. And I'm usually kind of lukewarm on English voice actors in uh, fighting games, especially. But uh, what is it? Is it Liam O'Brien? Liam O'Brien from Critical Role. That yes. is the that that is probably the best performance I've heard in a fighting game from uh, in English language. It's incredible. He, he does yeah. such a fantastic job with Gil. I find myself saying the lines along with him every time. I, yeah. I, I can't stop. It's, it's too good. Killer. Again, it's it's like what part did they not execute on with Gil? Even his music is good. Yeah. Like it's like name the part of Gil that does not work. And it's like so some people might say gameplay, but it's like that's unproven. And a lot of people are saying he's good. You know, uh, it's 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 amazing that they hit everything with the character it's like wow and so like i said he's my favorite addition to the game because of this stuff it's like it, 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 it's hard to go wrong with the character but uh you know it's a jury still on gameplay so we'll see but uh yeah i think we're gonna be vindicated on that one too uh, to be honest yeah. i think the only thing you can point to with gil that is subpar is his pyron costume because it doesn't really work in the game that's it that's the only that, thing that's and it still sure. looks yeah. cool. It's just it's it looks distracting cool. from gameplay. Yeah. 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 It just wasn't very... It, they didn't test it out entirely, right? Gotcha. All right, so the last character of Season 4 is Seth. Um, Seth, I still heavily question, but I can't question how much they're being used right now in the game and how, how good some people think they are. Daigo has said, like, this might be the number one character in the game. Daigo's very wishy-washy with this stuff. Uh, I don't think there's a chance uh, this character's number one. I actually still have them in the bottom ten. Um, but again, 
Um, just because I'm not on board with that, I can't argue against the people I'm still seeing use Seth right now. And if people are putting in the time to him, whether it's to learn the matchup or, or to do whatever, it's like it's still they're a character that's being played. And uh, I do think like a lot of the characters here in, in this uh, last season, we need more time to judge them fully. But um, it's an interesting character with interesting gameplay. They look good. Uh, there's a lot going for him where, and it, it's a boss character. It's a Street Fighter Four boss character. A lot of people hate them, but it's they're interesting. And and there you go. Yeah, this was a character that we went in expecting not to like. But when the rumors started up that Seth was going to be the last uh, character of season four, everyone goes, "We didn't like playing against Seth in Street Fighter Four. It was just frustrating, and the character looks bland. He's just like a, a almost like a blank avatar slate, with the exception of like a, a cool spinny yin yang in his stomach. But otherwise, he's just been associated with frustrations and like you know losing to a to an AI boss that's reading your inputs or getting your butt kicked by online Tony at Wednesday Night Fights or of course Punko." Very fun to watch, sure, when you're not the one in it, but there was a lot of negativity associated with Seth. And you're like, how are you going to make this character interesting and fun? And Capcom said, check this out. And they and they went with this totally new direction that was very interesting and was very intriguing. It was, it was something to talk about, not only the character's new appearance, but also... The, uh, the gameplay, the fact that, the, that uh, they have install moves and like, oh, what's that going to be like for each character and how will that be implemented? Um, I think that was a V-Trigger 2 was was really cool but really didn't get explored all that much or hasn't been yet. Uh, it kind of fell like a dud uh, compared to what I thought it was going to be. But uh, ultimately, the presentation changed a lot of people's minds really quickly and and that's significant because if you have uh, especially the fgc coming in expecting not to like something it's going to be really hard to change their mind and i think they did that with seth oh no it's actually very easy to change their minds you put a wig and a boob outline on that's how you change their minds (laughs) it's been proven with seth because it was that easy to do it because uh it's still a goddamn mannequin it's literally the same, except there's a wig and a boob outline. But people are like, man, you know, I really hated the way Seth looked in Street Fighter 4. But for some reason, they're so cool in Street Fighter 5. I don't know what it is. I think I know what it is. Okay, so uh, I think I made it clear I'm not a fan of Seth in 5 or 4. I think uh, it was a very poor choice. And I think the gimmick of uh, putting on a wig and a boob outline was probably the dumbest gimmick I've ever seen. And what makes me even more depressed is that it worked. That's what really makes me sad. As well, you got to as... give Capcom credit with the like where we are socially right now and all the attention to to trans people and such. It's like they they took that and they used it and they and that's a sensitive you know. But there's nothing trans about to. the character. Yeah, but you're gonna and they talk even, about that. They still say are... him in the game. Yeah, the game there, hasn't absolute... figured out what they how they how it wants to go about it. I mean, the, the game the game is... still says him. It's still a he. He talks all the time about being a king. To begin with, it was a robot. So I don't see any. I, I personally don't see any parallels to any kind of trans cause with this character. But you know, people are going to associate those things, and that that's a big deal right now. And it was smart of Capcom. Well, it was it was a little dangerous to go because, like I say, it's sensitive waters. But they did it, and it and it worked. These are and Japanese I that that developers. I don't think they had that in mind at all. I think this is pure happenstance. Could be. Hmm. But either way, uh, not a big fan of Seth. 
I I actually was surprised at how disappointed I was with Seth. And I was very negative before. Uh, because, like I said, I thought Evil Ryu had some janky animations, right? Uh, but then we got to Honda, we got to Lucia, we got to Poison, we got to Gil. All of these characters are beautifully animated. I do not think Seth is beautifully animated. I think they took shortcuts, keep doing these teleports all the time so they don't have to animate frames. Uh, if you compare Seth's uh, flip kick in 4, you know, the uh, quarter circle back kick, with the punches now, that's not even animation. Seth's just standing in a static pose and you get punched. It's so lazy compared to what Seth used to be. And Seth wasn't even that impressive before. So to me, it just feels really lame to watch this, like deterioration of a character that had so much cool stuff but people have I, been really excited watching these the the like combos play out though and the teleports they getting all dragon ball z around but the, it's the, the same thing and... every time like it's, it's it's no difference in any of the routes at least from what i've seen i mean i i will fully admit i haven't watched that much set footage because i really am not about the character but from what i've seen it's just the same combo that ends with the same type of teleport every time and it's just like okay so what, where's the interesting part? Because Gil does interesting stuff all the time. He has completely different confirms that lead to different retribution situations. I'm not seeing any of that with Seth. I'm just seeing the exact same combos that ends with this thing. It looks like a season one character in that regard. For me, I mean, I could yeah. be wrong. I'm totally open to being wrong about like Seth's combos, but that's what I've been seeing when I've been watching streams. I haven't yeah, seen anything they're... different, so... Their offense is great, but I think their defense in neutral is really suspect and they fall apart very quickly. Uh, that could be a very rough weakness to have here in Street Fighter V. Uh, so gameplay wise, like uh, you, you kind of see people explode and do all the stuff you know Nick is talking about, and then it's like then they have to play defense in neutral and they just totally fall apart. Um, this might have been a better character in seasons one through three than it is here in seasons four and five. Um, I do think their V trigger two is interesting. It's technical, but and so we're not seeing a lot of it yet. Uh, and then like overall, I'll say that boss characters to me they add a lot of hype to games, uh, to fighting games. So I think that that they're a solid pick overall. Even though we can poke holes in them and, and say like this is wrong and that's wrong, I think like at this stage of the game to be adding a, a hype character at all, I think is a win because uh, I just don't think there's a lot left. Um, so, but one of the things here I'll, I'll wrap up with, with season four is that I'm not citing a lot of CFN usage because I don't think we've had enough time to know how these characters are going to really shake out entirely. I'm giving the season really for gameplay, like a big fat incomplete because there's just so much we don't know that there's some things, but there's a lot of things where it's like, Oh yeah, I just, I don't know. Even as hype as I'm about guilt, I'm not positive. He's going to be a huge presence in tournaments, even though I think he's going to be a solid presence there, but yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, uh, since I've been a very harsh hater these last few minutes, that I definitely give them credit for the V skill on Seth. I think stealing moves is cool and is something they probably had an idea for in 4, but decided was too much work and decided to scrap. But I also think the work that's gone into that really shows in the rest of Seth's moveset, because that is why the rest of the stuff looks so lazy to me, most likely. Mm. How do you feel like Seth is as a character, um, gameplay-wise, with uh, ability, Nick? Like, how strong? How strong? Uh, I think Seth is very hard to gauge right now, because Seth is the only character we haven't had any tournaments with. Um, or bas basically, no. T no, we actually haven't had any tournaments, right? Cause, uh, uh, that's not true, because uh, Sako did play Seth and, and Topanga and got 0-3'd. 
uh, it. Oh, right, right, bad, right, so, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mention it. Uh, yeah. So in that sense, it's very hard. Um, I honestly don't think Seth is particularly strong from what I've seen. I haven't seen anything that impresses me particularly about the character. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I would put him at low tier at best right now. That's what it looks like to me. Really? Um, I, I, too, obviously don't have a lot of information here when it comes to gauging how powerful the character is. From the, I've only played like 50 games against Seth, I think, total. That's what CFN told me last time I was uh, matched up with one. We've seen some examples, and like people like Punk seem to be making the character work pretty pretty well. It, it sounds it, it feels like uh, uh, the rushdown is is decent once they're up in your face and can play that little bit of a shimmy poke game. Um, and then obviously combos and V trigger uh, damage output is pretty good. The, I don't like the the fact that uh, they can come out of the air with that dive kick is is kind of wonky and and sort of gets into that same um, those same waters as like cami with hooligan stuff and cutting jumps short and being goofy with making dps whiff and and such it's like uh, it seems kind of gimmicky and, and lame um, but i feel like kind of a middle of the road maybe a little bit above average from from my initial feelings but it's a very incomplete picture um, that said I, I do think that a lot of people have flocked to the character and, and been excited to explore where I didn't think that they would previously like leading up to it with the rumors about Seth being on, on the way and ultimately like it's it's not going to be the biggest home run but Seth does represent the final boss character in in the sense that this was the last of the uh, the Street Fighter boss characters that needed to be added in now we have the the bosses from one two three, four, and I, I mean, obviously five, but apparently um, five. Yeah. That yes. rounds it all out. <laughs> and, and so that kind of is, is cool. If, if Seth ends up being the very last character, that's a nice character and to end on if just not for no other reason than that. Um, so a, a reasonable success, not the best thing ever. Um, and, and Seth never was going to be the best thing ever, but I still think they, they checked most of not all of their boxes with what they wanted with this as like a, a, a you know a kind of an end cap and at least to get us to 40 and get champion edition to where it's at with this current chapter of things so i'm i'm widely happy with seth um, not my favorite but i still think uh, is not like a not a dud and not a uh, a pr nightmare nothing like that so yeah all right so let's go ahead and put a bow on this and nick we'll start with you on season three how would you rate the gameplay for that entire year Okay, let for me see. For the DLC characters. The gameplay for season three. About a four. Yeah, uh, it's funny because I actually have the exact same rating. Because the characters, uh, they almost all ended up being uh, underwhelming, even to this very day. Like, G has been the only one who's truly hit. And it's just, it's amazing to me with the, the lineup of characters that they had in season three that it just kind of like was like, Ugh, you know and but but how about you john how did you feel about the gameplay oh um let me like kind of reference back to um my, my last ones here with uh i put 6.5 for season one and i put eight for season two uh season three's gameplay was the maybe the worst for me because you had a lot of duds and then you had g who was really good but in a bad way i really didn't like i'm gonna give season three gameplay a two and now let's switch over to the PR and and I'll kick this off here and I'll say I actually gave this a perfect 10 out of 10 score. The AE announcement and 
everything surrounding this was amazing. It breathed new life into the game that we didn't even think was possible. I was watching the reaction from the community and going, there's no way people are going to ever pick up Street Fighter V again and love the game and get excited about it. But you had Chun-Li come out putting on her lipstick. You had that beautiful music. You got to see Sagat. You got to see Sakura. You got to see this new interesting character, G. Like all this kind of stuff just started to, to ramp up with season three. You had this great presentation of about Cody. He was like, I mentioned the thirst trap, all this other kind of stuff. And I'm looking at it going, I can't believe they did it. Capcom pulled a rabbit out of their hat, G's hat, you know, kind of thing. They, they, they did the impossible. I actually could not believe they did the PR as good as they did in season three. It was blowing my mind. And for, you know, it's a little bit graded on a curve. It's the Street Fighter V PR curve here. But I, again, I give them a perfect 10 out of 10 for execution. I don't see how they could have done anything better. What about Falk? Uh, again, even Falk, like I, I, like when they initially pitched her, it was interesting now she looked bad, right? But like it, it was like at least it was an interesting enough character and she was blended in with everyone else. Where, but yeah, now, now that you mentioned Falk, now I'm like I'm running out of steam here a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I'm a little bit disappointed that you bring up the trailer and you don't mention Cody breaking the prison wall again. That was great. As he's yeah. known to do. And then on the cuffing. Because that made me so hype. Because that's the whole yeah. thing. He's always been fighting with limiters on. But then he was such a dud. But that's not related to PR. That's not related to PR. I think the individual trailers for each character were amazing. They did great stuff with all of them. Except Falk. Uh, so given the Falk snafu, I'm going to have to give them a 9. I can't justify perfect 10. But I think they really did an amazing job for the most part. Uh, with the PR that year. How are you guys not bringing up the rainy Laura dance for PR? I think that's a, that's a significant part of it. But no, I, I stand uh, very close to Nick here. Grand Slam out of the gate. They they listened to fans and they made some really key adjustments going from season two into season three. It started out as a 10, but with Falk in there, uh, it, she's, I got to take it down a little bit. So um, well, I, I was going to say eight, maybe nine. So I guess my answer is 8.5. So moving on to season four, uh, the gameplay, I'm giving this an incomplete, but I, I have to give a number. So I'll go with an eight out of 10 with the potential for this to maybe go up to a nine. Um, Lu Lucia has generally been overhyped since release, but she's good and interesting at least. And so the jury's still out on Seth and a bunch of other characters, but like, I feel comfortable enough giving this an eight where I think think it's going to work out in Capcom's favor. And again, grading on the curve that, it, hey, it's season four, you know, how a lot of the, the styles and gameplay stuff has already been explored. How how are you going to make things interesting? And I, I think they've done that. So, Yeah, so gameplay-wise in season four, uh, it's well documented. I'm not a huge fan of Evil Ryu or Seth in particular. Um, but... Um, I'm a very big fan of Gil. I'm a very big fan of Lucia. I think they did an amazing job with Honda. And even though she's a blatant ripoff of Whip from KOF, Poison is still a well-made character. And she brings something different to the table in the game. So I was going to go for a 7 here. But I think I have to bump it up to a 7.5 simply because Poison is so unique. Despite me really not liking the changes, I don't think... That should be Poison. I think they should have put in Roxy if they were going to do that. But gameplay-wise, she brought something new. Uh, so I'd give a 7.5. 
Mm-hmm. Easy 10 for me. And the reason is, is that it, it might not be perfect, uh, but I can't expect perfection here. And I think it's dumb to expect it. So if 10 means perfection, then okay, I, I take it back. It's not that. But this is what I mean by 10. You've had seasons three, two, and one, and a lot of crap going through them, and a lot of frustration, a lot of unanswered uh, requests throughout that time, and and things where I go, Capcom, why aren't you listening? How could you make this same mistake again? How are you not changing it? And and that still actually continues to be the case for some characters in those uh, seasons. But when it came to season four, what they released was not overwhelming and not underwhelming, in my opinion, of any of these characters. I think that they showed clear growth in their design of them. There's some key things, like little things, um, and this isn't this isn't like an all-encompassing example, but it's, it's just a little side thing that I appreciate. Like none of these characters, after they hit you with a critical art, I don't think that they can follow up with pressure afterwards, and like that's really nice to see. And that might have been something that even happened earlier on, but the fact that Capcom paid attention to that, and like there are characters earlier in the game that that get that, and it's like ugh, you know, it's kind of a kind of a goofy thing to have. But that's not here anymore, and they've they've kind of updated. Um, and again, that's just one side little example of it. But something I've always appreciated about um, the the more recent seasons, the season four, I like. I didn't think anyone was a dud. I think they did a pretty good job with PR across the board. And so, with how much uh, of an increase and in, an in evolution, and, and how much they showed that they learned and implemented, um, I really want to shower them with praise for this because I want to see it continue a lot closer to this than than what it's been in, in past seasons. So um, given, maybe this is more of an emotional vote, but uh, season four, with how much improvement there was, 10. Keep doing this. So now we're going to do things differently with season four's PR. And uh, yeah, I had this as a big fat zero initially, zero out of 10. I actually went back and gave them a single point because of Seth and Gil. Because adding boss characters is a really hype move, and that did work for me. And both fighters, I think, were interesting and compelling enough to actually get people's interest. That was hard to do. And besides that, my goodness, this is a master class in what not to do with your video game release. This is literally that Capcom looked back at season one and how bad that was and said, hold my beer from a PR standpoint. I can't believe they were this awful. Doing things differently is probably the most infamous quote about Street Fighter V for the entire game's lifespan. This is a game that has had massive disasters and massive failures like with its launch and other things. And doing things differently is a hallmark of horrific approaches I, I i i can't even believe to this very day how bad this season was from a pr standpoint this is just like don't ever freaking do this again i i i i'm almost talking myself out of giving them a single point here i i don't even know if they deserve that for how bad they screwed this up so, i'm still blown oh, wait yeah there's okay. a lot of negative right that comes out of that but i mean there. You, and this is considering that there was a lot of win after all of this happened, right? Like you are like, hey, you know, we, we talked a lot about a, a lot of positive PR once the like the last, well, five characters actually came into play. But I mean, it is possible that the black hole of doing things differently did sap away all those points. You need to what look at the, the PR time point. Hold on, let me let me ask John. What was the PR points for for um, the rest of the characters? Like we didn't even know they were coming to Evo for quite some time. They they put a lid on it, everything. Like so, for nine months we had crap, and then I don't get what Gil and Seth added from a PR standpoint that was good. 
like well, except for being boss characters when we talk about pr remember it's not just like like it, it's a pretty big it's like the relationship that fans have with these characters and the excitement that they get about these characters outside okay. of the gameplay approach right and there was a lot going for all of these characters like they, they were cool they were interesting we talked about sun chase moon stage we talked about honda's bathhouse the appearances of a lot of these characters the way that uh, lucia got people excited to jump in and play and she was more hyped than both honda and poison when they were simultaneously released the way that seth turned heads i know that uh, nick doesn't fully agree there and i'm not sure exactly where you got off john but i, I think that um, we were all impressed. I remember being at Capcom Cup and all of us going like, "Whoa, that was way better than I thought we were gonna than we thought it was gonna be." Um, and then, like as well designed as as Gil is and and beautiful and such, it's like I think there's a lot to say for the season. And and the same with with Kage. I think people really enjoyed the character and and were happy to have him. And this is all outside of of gameplay. I think he checked a lot of boxes too. I can't ignore the black hole that is doing things differently for eight months. Absolutely. But I just want to make sure that we're considering because because that reigns over this season so hard and rightfully so. But just make sure you've taken everything into account before you know you, you only judge it by that thing which actually yeah. you could only judge it by that thing because it's so egregious but i just want to make sure that everyone's aware of everything and you know okay but yeah, and, and, let me jump in with a counterpoint then because if we're talking about what these characters bring as far as hype goes you want to know where they're at in the polls sure Cap- captain's official polls okay poison is the only one that was in any way requested okay if we consider I don't want to say his name. I'm going to say Evil Ryu. If you consider Evil Ryu to be the same character as Evil Ryu, then he was also fairly requested. Those characters are both in the top 20. Okay? That's that's fairly good. Honda is r- just barely in the top 40. Mm-hmm. Seth and Gil are... Seth, Seth is 67th, and Gil is 75th. So if we're looking at how high people would get from these inclusions based on, like knowing the characters and stuff, we can go into the top 10 and see Makoto at second place. She's nowhere to be seen. Q at fourth place, nowhere to be seen. Um, and sure, then in- sure. So legacy hype is is one part of this. And I think Poison and, and Evil Ryu are going to have um, obviously the highest uh, ratings in that particular category. But it's more than that. It's like initial presentation. Falk was really bad. And that was a huge issue. I don't think anybody here had that initial presentation issue. In fact, we were pretty excited and, and, um, and uh, wanted to explore more and we're happy about the stages and, and things along those lines. I agree and disagree, depending on the character, because I think it was about 50-50 for me this season. But right now we're on John's uh, John's mm-hmm. rating, so I'll relent over to him. Yeah, I, I still give it a, a 1 out of 10. Uh, I, I think it was an abysmal season. I, I, I get what John is saying, but I think that the, f- the first start of it was so egregious, it was a black hole that sucked everything else into it. And I I just I could never give uh, a, a, even a... a acceptably low rating like a two or a three for a Mm -hmm. season that that was this bad it was literally the worst again i've ever seen from a fighting game from a pr standpoint and that takes some effort that takes some real freaking effort to do the (laughs) worst i've ever seen from a fighting game uh maybe there's other examples that aren't coming to me off the top of my head but this is the worst in memory right now yeah gotcha all right so my rating pr wise um i rated season one a one notably um and uh you told me at that time think about it yeah be careful think about this but 
I actually had thought about it quite a bit. And where the discussion turns to me is which is worse, complete silence or outright misinformation and lying? Because that's what season one was. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I'm actually going to have to give the point to complete silence as much as I do not want to do so. Because lying and misinformation is worse to me. So for this season, I have four different things that each give 0 0.5 points, which <laughs> will amount in two points in the end. Okay. Lucia's trailer, the, one, the second one that actually showed her moveset properly, that's 0 0.5. Very good. Honda's trailer, hold it right there. 0 0.5. Very good. Gil's trailer, amazing stuff. 0 0.5. And finally, and this is something I think John might have forgotten. I don't think it will change his rating, but it's something he hasn't mentioned. Oh, no, going up at Evo and saying, we're sorry, we're going to re reveal stuff at these months. And that gives them 0.5 more because they actually showed that they realized how unbelievably dumb they had been. <laughs> and that gives what them two... They let Kenny Omega super kick Ono in the face as a little self-reflexive, like I, you know, I slap I, on their own resume. I don't think that was. Uh, I, I I think that was bad rather than good. To be honest, oh, really? I I did not accept that shit at all because uh, this is also a discussion for another time. But Capcom Cup was very bad for us watching from a home. Oh at right, least. right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so that was more aggravating than anything else. But yeah, I will give them 2 out of 10. I give them points for those four things I mentioned. Besides that, it was a complete disaster. And it's shocking that they actually did worse their first year, despite how bad that year was. This one we just had. Mm -hmm. So 2 out of 10 on the PR department for me. Yeah. This was like I was getting at, and I, I want to also say that I don't disagree. I don't think John is wrong for giving it a one. I just wanted to make sure that it would be so easy to just judge it by the doing things differently. And I wanted to make sure to, to bring up all of the, the positives that I think are there. Um, all that said, a lot of this is in relation. I have to look at it as a whole. I wrote a lot of stories where many times I had to write, or I, I chose to write, but it, it made sense to say that Capcom is messing up. They're doing things differently. We're in the middle of radio silence, and this is like moving forward with the emergency break on, and we did it for eight months. It was like that was super bad, and it does sap away from all the other successes that they've had. I think there were some great successes here. I don't think it was as good as um, what happened in season three, uh, even without the black hole there, but I still feel uh, kind of similar to Nick in that my feelings toward season two were um ugh, i really didn't like season two and i really didn't like season one and uh it's i i almost want to give this season a higher rating than those but i would have to give it a five if i wanted to do that and i'm i'm really i can't i can't so i'm gonna give it a three because uh, i was i was impressed with a lot of what happened um and i think it would have been up there it would have been like a six or a seven for me um but the black hole sapped around a lot of that away. So I'm going to give it a three. Uh, John, you want to do a quick recap of all of our ratings here? Sure. So we'll go down. Uh, I have the averages here for each season. So all of our scores divided by three, 
Season 1, gameplay, 7.8 out of 10. Season 1 PR, 2.2. Season 2 gameplay, 8.7. PR, 4.7. 3 gameplay, 3.3. PR, 9.2. Season 4, gameplay, 8.5. PR, 2. It's yeah, been was, an up and down uh, ride, a lot of down. <laughs> I thought I was going to be the negative Nancy here, but I mean, uh, apart from Seth, I've been about in line with you guys, I guess. Yeah. yeah. At least with the Catalyst. So, so actually, just looking back in time, like, like, because uh, we all weight, you know, things differently. Like, PR may be more important, or gameplay, or whatever. Like, overall, Nick, like, what would you say your favorite season of the game has been? Like, just kind of all things considered. Definitely not season three. Because that ruined the <laughs> <laughs> Um It's very hard to say between 1, 2, and 3, because I think they all have their charms. With 1, mm-hmm. uh, we had some very interesting characters come back, which hadn't been in for a long time, with Alex and Yurian. We also had some favorites return. And with Season 2, uh, it was a disaster at first, but it just got better and better the longer, longer it went on, and all the characters they added were actually pretty interesting and good, new, unique characters. Um, season four have my highest highs with Lucia and Gil, but uh, they also have some very low lows. So I would have to eliminate season four based on that. Even though I will say those are my highest highs for the game, Lucia and Gil for sure. Even though I don't even play Gil, I just think he's so amazingly implemented. So when it becomes a question between season one and two, I'm gonna fall back on season one not really addressing the uh, input lag until the very end where they did a small patch, and then we got further patches later. Uh, So I feel like Season 2 was more focused on bettering the game. So I would have to go with Season 2 as my favorite, but it's kind of lukewarm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not there. I don't think there's any giant wins. And, and uh, my answer is actually the same thing. Uh, I, I looked this over like carefully. I'm like, what's my favorite season? I'm like, it's actually season two. Like the one that and it's probably the one that surprised me the most because I was the most disappointed when they announced it. Uh, mm. And it actually ended up working out. And I'm like, wow, it actually added a lot of flavors to the game that we needed. Um, you know, in hindsight, it worked out really well. And it, I go back to that blank canvas, uh, canvas comment where, you know, with characters like Cody and it was like they disappointed so many people with what they did with them but having a perfectly blank canvas to work off of with the other five characters it worked out really well for him uh, even though the pr wasn't there initially uh you know all's well as end well is how i'd look at season two but uh, how about you john yeah season two is definitely up there it i i it wasn't it didn't get my attention initially but after we've gone through all of this it certainly is a contender um, but from there, there are certain ways you could uh, angle this where that would be my favorite, but it isn't uh, because I think there are a lot of gameplay problems with season two, and and some of that is because of what bled over into season three after the update. Uh, but as far as my, uh, I hated season two's PR. Um, I th- I might have hated it more than season four, but uh, maybe on principle, I kind of still have to give season four a lower um, mark. Uh, but. All things considered, my favorite still is is season four. I think compa- competition wise, what was brought to the game was there. There were so so little in the way of duds and overpoweredness, and I really don't like overpowered stuff. Like that's probably been uh, the worst thing for me. And so I think season four was the best in that regard. I think everybody brought with them some reasonable hype. I've said it many times today, but there were a lot of boxes checked, maybe all of them, maybe just missed a few, but there's a lot more uh, empty ones in the uh, previous season. So I got to go with season four all in all, and that's even with the black hole of uh, doing things differently for eight months. Gotcha. 
All right, y'all, that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. Play ground blue. Perfect.